Hello and welcome to a special edition of the British Wrestling Experience here on postwrestling.com. It's a NXT UK TakeOver special and with me as usual, it's Jamesy. Hi Benno. Hi mate, uh, I did my best to get the name in there, the NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool 2 I think is the the full title there. Uh, excited to uh, <laughs> to talk that with you, but joining us at, as a result of the deal made on the uh, the best of show we did at the end of last year, and obviously by popular demand as well. Uh, my compatriots from the Grapple App uh, Spotlight podcast. It's Joe Lemon and uh, JP Hulan. How's it going, fellas? Not too bad. How's yourself, lads? Good, good, good to speak to you. Uh, I kind of thought the you know Martin made the request. Uh, the post forums were desperate to have you back, Joe. Uh, so I thought it was, uh, it was about, to, it was a good, good idea to get the gang together while, uh, Martin's, uh, still, I think he's still recovering from Japan. I think he got home yesterday. Well, I take it none of that forum mob listened to the, uh, end of the year show he did in there. So, you know, I wasn't, uh, banned after causing offense like I did on this review show a year ago now. So, yeah. Let's see what happens after tonight. There we go. He's making friends again. Oh, we've got something exciting to talk about as well. I'm sure you've all got loads of notes and, uh, lots to, lots to say. Say here, Jamesy. Fantastic show as normal. Oh yeah, absolutely riveting stuff. Yeah, <laughs> um, the, the 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 thing when you're podcasting, the thing about when you, you know when you're looking at a match and you kind of have it in your head, I'm going to be talking about this on a podcast, and you're really happy when a match is amazing because there's plenty you can say, and you're kind of happy if the match is absolutely terrible because there's plenty you can say about how bad it was. It's when the wrestling is, is somewhere in between the two of those that you kind of really start to struggle. And I think that might be a common theme of this podcast. Yeah, I think that that's kind of going to be it. Like if people are expecting the, uh, the the positive review, I don't know whether, I know uh, Up Next are doing a show on their Patreon. Uh, you know, if you want a slightly more positive twist, you can listen to uh, Davey and Mike Hogan over there or based on Mike's tweets, I don't know, but uh, he was loving the show either. I don't know. Should we just do two hours on Jay White instead? I think that nothing could go wrong there. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Like, I'm sure people are sick of my Jay White rants, but if you want another uh, deconstruction of the Jay White character and how, as a pure caricature and something that has no depth, he doesn't fit into a roster of great wrestlers who have depth and narrative and years of history behind them, feel free to request it. And I, you know, for the first time, I will do a request for a podcast. Um, but yeah. I don't think anyone wants to hear me ranting about that on here, to be honest, do they, tonight? We'll save that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did a get in the bin on uh, on New Japan. I think uh, I definitely think Jay White would get in there. <laughs> oh, God. He'd have his own bin, I think, would he? <laughs> I think so. It, yeah, and Ghetto can go in there. Not Ghetto's booking, but Ghetto's character with Jay White can go in there with him as well, yeah. Uh, have you been anyway, James? Did you catch... Uh, I, I know you caught Wrestle Kingdom, but what do you think of it generally? Do you have, a, uh, have you had a good couple of weeks, and what do you think of that show? Ah, yeah, Christmas was Christmas, you know, nice, nice. I suppose it's the kind of thing, you know, the way when you go back to work after Christmas and you have to have the same conversation with everyone about 20 times about mm. how great, how the Christmas was. It was quiet. I got over it. Yes, the kids were happy with their presents. All the usual questions. I'm completely burnt out on having the Christmas conversation by now. But yeah, I enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom, I suppose, um, from the from the British and European point of view, I suppose we had Will Ospreay doing the usual show stealing performance on the first night, you know, that, that match with Hiromo was outstanding. Mm. Um, probably would have less good to say about the Zack Sabre Jr. and Sonata match, which was very much a wrestling match that happened that I have very little recollection of at this point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, two great shows, I thought. Um, 
well, two two great shows with with great pinnacles, I would say. You know what I mean? There was probably some some issues with the fact that they split the cards into two, and could they have done a little bit more with the undercard and that kind of thing? Like, but yeah, a good start. And I think my main takeaway from those shows would probably be um, a feeling optimistic for what they set up for the rest of the year. You know, that the likes of the Moxley and Minoru Suzuki thing. I really like the Kenta angle. I know you guys weren't too hot on him, kind of ruining Naito's moment, but I, I thought it was really good, actually. Um, so, yeah, as I said, I, I was kind of down on New Japan last year for long stretches of it. I felt they were, it was quite a stale company in a lot of ways. There was a lot of repetition of matches. There was way too many Sonata, Okada matches and that kind of thing. And it feels like you know, coming out of those two big shows in January that there's a lot to look forward to and a lot of fresh stuff. And again, I suppose, going back to the theme of this podcast, the fact that we're going to have a, a big Zack Sabre Jr. and Will Ospreay match to look forward to as well on, on one of those um, New Beginning shows is something that we'll be talking about, I'm sure, in the future. Yeah, definitely. But in Japan, like I, th- I thought that was odd. Like, in Japan, talk, yeah. Talked about it, lads, didn't we, on, on Spotlight? The, you know, that seemed to be the direction they were going. Do we get one match in Japan and then a re- repeat in Rev Pro? Seems a bit, I don't know, it's, I suppose, you know, it's the, it again, it's the Rev Pro title getting defended in Japan and it's going to be a great match, but I thought that was nailed on for the next year of all show. I'm hoping for a half an hour draw, followed by the rematch with no time limit, your call, hmm. or I'm hoping for the winner to face Shingo in the main event of your call, because Shingo beat Kyle Fletcher on the Guildford show last week, and I'm hoping that sets him up for a title match. If we got Zack Sabre Jr. Shingo, if we got a rematch of Osprey Shingo or Zack Osprey and York Hall, which I've wanted forever, and we've never got that in York Hall, and they've not wrestled in, they're not wrestled in Rev Pro in it'll be almost two and a half years by the time February comes around. So it's a match that I want to see again, and it's a match that we want to see again in the UK mm. as well. I don't know if it's a match that would get you down, Benno, potentially as well. Yeah, um, yeah hope, I'm hoping half hour draw in Japan followed by an absolutely killer rematch in York Hall where they finally crown Will Ospreay. And maybe they go Ospreay-Shingo after that, possibly, because there's a match I'd like to see again. But unfortunately, it feels like they're in two different divisions at the moment. I'd love them to do that, get like Shingo over even more often. You know, make him like... He's, <clears> a, guy, he's a guy who could... You couldn't get onto the bloody Wrestle Kingdom, you know what I mean? Yeah, he could be like the, the new Ishii, couldn't he, James? You maybe do more of, yeah. get more of him on the Rev Pro side. Like, I couldn't help but notice, like the, like, like we talked about on Spotlight, they announced, you know, the, some of the, uh, the fixtures for the coming year. No British or US shows announced, but obviously, uh, there's been, uh, a bit of reporting, uh, going around. Uh, Meltzer put in the Observer that there are, there are US shows planned, but he did say weirdly in the Observer this week that there's, no, despite, for, he said, I think he said, for whatever reason, despite the success of the last one, it, it doesn't look like there's going to be a UK show by New Japan this year. And like, you know, I've, I've said before, I feel like New Japan, since, you know, the elite and Kenny and that left is in general cooler in like the, the Western side of the world. But, you know, based on that, uh, based on that copper box show that you, you two were at, Joe and JP, like, uh, mm. I would absolutely say that it's, you know, there's still a, a big crowd and it's definitely, it's, and New Japan as a product still a, a hot thing in the UK. Surely, surely that news has got to be wrong. You'd love to think so, wouldn't you? Mm. Because it, it, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, like being at that copper box show after leaving it absolutely nailed on thinking, yep, there's going to be G1 show here. It's going to be like sort of big level kind of show. And it's going to do, it's going to sell out. Cause I think the last one might've been like a thousand or so shy. So, you know, yeah, not very happy about it. 
Yeah, do you think that's true, Jamesy? I know, you know, Melter's got his detractors for some of his uh, his sauce in these last couple of years, but I don't know. Do you think think he's on the ball on that one? Surely, considering like the like you say, JP, there, considering all those factors, and considering the the fact that the you know the Olympics are going on and they won't be able to run the G one in the summer, like you'd think that like the obvious decision is to come over to the UK and do another big show. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked if there wasn't. Like, uh, considering how much of a success that last show was, you know, um, and like they've they've only announced up up till June, really, from from the Wrestle Kingdom show. It was just up till June they announced. Um, and like, I don't think Meltzer has the sources in Japan that he used to have. You know, like I mean, all his pals who we were clearly feeding him information, the likes of your Kenny's and your books aren't there anymore. You know, so I'm really hoping he's got it wrong on this one because um, that that was one of the that God like one of the best shows in the UK last year for sure, you know. And just going back to those Your Call shows just for a second, I'd be very interested in what what main event goes on on those shows because I think it will tell an awful lot about the relationship between RevPro and New Japan and how much, you know, my feeling would be that they would almost see Sabre Osprey as too big a show to almost in inverted commas waste on a Rev Pro show at this point. Mm. They feel like they feel like two big stars in their own right, and like it, it, I would be very surprised if they put a match like Shingo Osprey in your in your call. You know, a, a match that they they sold out Sumo Hall with only in the summer there. You know, uh, or was it Budokan Hall? No, uh, did they, they didn't find sell it out because they've they've it was Sumo Hall. Yeah, but they didn't sell it out. They were quite a way off selling out, which is why they yeah okay. they're, they're not getting back there for the final this year because they didn't sell it out. Yeah, but but still like a big match, a big match. They did like seven thousand you know I mean? sell out. Seven thousand, yeah. you know. But yeah, I, yeah. I just I I wonder I wonder about this relationship between the two companies, and I wonder like are, are they just really going to keep like I feel like last year they threw RevPro scraps more than anything. You know what I mean? And what RevPro got from them was very little. Like Zach, Zach defended the belt once in the UK or something like that, and never on a Your Call show. So I'd be surprised if it went from that to Osprey Shingo or Osprey Saber. I, I just like I hope for your guys' sake it is what happens. But like I, I wouldn't be getting too hopeful for it either. You know, I, mm. I can see it being more scraps again or a tag match featuring the two guys on both sides or something like that. You know, like an Osprey and somebody from Chaos against against Suzuki and Saber. I don't know, but it just I don't know. I I, I feel like I see, it, I see it, what you're saying. The thing I would say is. I think uh, you'd hope they'd understand how, what a big match Osprey Zach could be in the UK mm, yeah. in that kind of venue on that kind of occasion for the belt. Um, so I do hold a little hope on that. The one thing I'd say to counter that is remember they did Suzuki versus Ishii in a gym in Brixton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, was, true enough. that was October 2018. So it's not too long ago either yeah, they did yeah, that. Yeah, true. So. I'd, yeah, I'd be surprised if they did Osprey Shingo. Really surprised. But uh, it's a match that they might not book anytime soon again in Japan. But I think that I think it is a match they probably should protect you- and not do in the UK. I do agree with that. Shingo Zach, I could see them doing here. I, I don't know. There's, if they're willing to well, give Shingo us Zach, okay, yeah, Sorry, Suzuki yeah. Ishii, I could see them doing it here. Would one of the thoughts also be that they would want to have? Um, a kind of main event involving sort of top tier talent in order to kind of create a buzz. If they do end up booking Copper Box for later in the summer and they start to announce the the sort of expansion plans into the UK, because at least then it it keeps New Japan at a kind of hot phase mm. by by having that by sort of having the investment of having a Shingo come over and kind of give a bit of credibility for the belt. 
Yeah. We don't want to see Yoshihashi again, do we? No. Well, he never came over. And I remember there was a rumor yes. it was going to be the Zack Yoshihashi match, wasn't it? At, at Royal Quest. Yeah, yeah. Thank God that never happened. I think they know that. It was quite out. exciting having a nightmare scenario thrown into the mix, wasn't it? <laughs> it really yeah. was. But I think they know that if they're going to do another show over here, they've got to deliver on a on a major main event. And Suzuki, in their mind, is almost secondary in Japan, it feels like. But they know of his appeal internationally and the same of the new Liger's appeal. Now, I'm not sure they want to go all in, in, all in on Shingo in Japan, but I could see Shingo getting over here as like a cult thing in the same way that, say, a Suzuki got over here or in the same way that Ishii got over here, possibly. Mm. So I wonder, with them sending Shingo over for a random show in Guildford and he was the only New Japan guy that they sent over for the show? Yeah, it's a bit hard, wasn't Shingo it? Yeah. Is planned into Rev Pro in 2020 mm. um, in that role that maybe Ishii had in sort of 2017-18. If that's the case, I'm absolutely fine with that. If it means we're going to get to see Shingo on a few occasions at Yorko and various venues across the country this year. Definitely. And, he, and, oh, and he, has, he has a legacy in the UK as well. Like if you think back to those Dragon yeah, Age yeah. shows, yeah. like those, that, that trilogy he had, like myself and Alan would have talked about it when we talked about the, the best matches that happen on UK style. I think he had one of those matches against Susumu as his number two. So there's a legacy there as well. You can kind of, you know, mm. you can kind of tap into as well. So, oh, he'd be a great guy. You know, like if you're if you're talking about maybe Ishii being a little bit played out over here at this point, then God, Shingo is nearly the next best thing, you know. Night we met, Jamesy, watching Shingo and Naruki do against the Briscoes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the memories. Would you, would you hope as well? Memories. Would you hope as well for OTT that if they do manage to get someone, we're fantasy booking now, aren't we? At this point, that if they're sharing costs in terms of getting a Shingo over there as well, you might get him over for a few OTT shows as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting with OTT because they, they've they, they've had I know they've the, moved away from it, haven't they? Quite well, they've they've had some of the new the young lines on the last couple of shows though. Like so, they they had they had um, Ren Narita at the end of the year, and they just had um, shows of Umino on the Belfast show there last week. So, um, I, I don't know what's happened. It's one of the things I'm curious about with OTT this year because they, they seem to have actually not really announced many WWE guys for the next few shows. Um, and they seem to be using a lot of independent talent and that kind of thing. So my preference as a fan would be for them to use new Japan talent in the new year again. You know what I mean? I just mm. feel like it, you know, especially if it's fresh faces all the time, I, I wouldn't like to get into the kind of situation that Rev Pro did where it was the same people coming over and over and over again. I think that loses its value. And I don't feel like OTT have a lot of wrestlers who even physically match up as heavyweights to wrestling the likes of Anishi all the time. Like a lot of the, the Irish wrestlers are kind of junior heavyweights and that kind of thing, but I'm not going to complain about the likes of a Shingo coming to Ireland for a few, for a few shows for sure. Yeah. That's also what I've got my suspicion about Shingo coming in as a, a new guy for Rev Pro and a sort of semi-regular basis as well is because of exactly what you said there, Jamesy, them using the same guys over and over has lost a bit of value. Mm. Look at that last your call show and what it drew. Um, there have been various houses where they have got a Suzuki in, they've got an Ishii and Ishii Walter didn't sell out, you know? Mm. Uh, so I do think as much as those guys have real appeal still for that hardcore element, they do need to maybe refresh the guys that they are yeah, bringing in sure. from New Japan at this point. Because Sonada's not, certainly not drawing for me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we all dodged the bullet when that didn't happen at, at WrestleMania. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's the year of Shingo now rather than the uh, the year of Sonada. Uh, maybe, maybe OTT can take him. There you go, James. You can, no, you can laugh at Sonada. We don't want him. We don't want him. <laughs> uh, and I reckon, I think, JP, you're just after an excuse to go out to Ireland. Hopefully we get like, maybe, maybe they'll do a big New Japan show in Dublin. That could work. Do the stadium or something. 
Oh, I'd be well up for that. Yeah, absolutely. Completely on board. If they did a little tour, if they did a copper box and then did, would they do, it's a three arena, isn't it, Jamesy? Yeah, that's that that uh, that's big. Like, I mean, you you can get something like ten to fifteen in that. You know what I mean? So that that's a big like, if you, especially if you set it up for wrestling. You know what I mean? But I don't know how many you get in there. I I would say do the national stadium, yeah. kind of a Corrigan Hall size venue. You know yeah. what I mean? And and you'd easily sell that out, no problem. Are there, are there any stadiums in Waterford or? <laughs> OTT World, are running Waterford next year, would you believe? Walsh Park doing open air stadium, open air show yeah. in Walsh Park. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, my, my big thing is kind of like, uh, you should definitely do that, but like, like a mini tour makes so much sense because the big yeah, thing yeah. for me with New Japan is like, you know, you look at the US shows they're doing now, but it's, you know, it's basically house shows uh, and it's, you know, they're not really putting the best foot forward. It doesn't seem, I think since AEW came on the scene, it's not as glamorous as, as an attraction maybe as it once was. And I think they need to keep an eye on that with the UK. I think the UK and Ireland, like right now, AEW still not announced any dates over here. Like New Japan need to make themselves part of the fabric, I think, <laughs> this year before AEW pull the trigger on their shows because it's going to be that same traveling audience, isn't it? You think... Tony Khan's going to be looking at that copper box as a venue. Uh, and for me, if I'm yeah, if I'm New Japan, I'm getting in there quick. I think Tone's a Wembley man, if I'm honest. <laughs> I think he looks at Wembley Arena as his mm. venue. It's going to say Arena dad's... or Stadium, but yeah. No, not Stadium. With his dad's <laughs> relationship with Wembley and wanting to buy the stadium. Tone lives in sort of that West London area as well. I think he sees the prestige in Wembley and the name, whereas mm. Copperbox hasn't got the prestige as much as it's a better venue. Wembley is Wembley Arena is still a very good venue oh, to yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think both much better than the O2. Oh, the O2's is awful. The worst venue I've ever been to ever. And it's not even that good for music either, the O2. And the Millennium Dome wasn't even that good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't, I can't see him going to Copper Box. I think it, AEW look at Wembley, if anything. Yeah. Or Craven Cottage. Where, where do they run Crufts? Because I'd say Tone would be well acquainted with that. <laughs> <Wait. thing>. uh. <laughs> For the insults on that joke, listen Sorry. to Grapple Spotlight every Monday. Uh, <laughs> Grapple.pocket.com. Uh, I'm forgetting which show I'm on at this point. <laughs> well, that's it. We, we, we've talked plenty in New Japan. Bit of Rev Pro. We couldn't do, could not talk Rev Pro without you, Joe. But unless anyone's got anything else to distract us, we probably should talk this NXT uh, UK takeover. Oh. Anyway, God, we're really delaying it, aren't we? As long as we can, we really are. Uh, well, that, that was a question. That was a question I was going to ask, like, you know, in Martin style. Like, and I think I know the answer here, but like, what a what were all interest levels going into this? Because the amount of people, like, it became like a running joke of people going, ah, is, is there an NXT? I didn't even know there was an NXT UK takeover today. You know, that's taking place in like the. It's a bit like the, you know, Impact have got a pay-per-view tonight as well. It's in like the shadow of, you know, the big Wrestle Kingdom weekend last weekend. You know, the last NXT UK takeover took place the night of, uh, AEW's All Out show. Or was it Double or Nothing? It was that same weekend of, uh, like multiple shows going on at once. Uh, uh obviously with, uh, with the Copper Box show going on there too. They're not the best at picking the dates, but I don't know how interested we all be going in. Did everybody, uh, do the homework and catch up with their NXT UK TV, uh, over the last few weeks i i watched the last four weeks but if i'm honest i probably should just stuck with a uh, sean ryan's prime target because i think that did as uh, as good as anything at making me feel at least a little bit interested into the show going into the weekend yeah that was the only thing i watched was the prime target is the research um other than accidentally catching well catching the end of the uh the sort of the plunder match mm. between Ilya and, and Wolf in the last week of TV. Yeah, it was alright. So it was only the prime target that I saw. And as much as I 
have loved Sean Ryan's work and the general style and the aesthetic that he films it in. For me, it's like emotionally dead, this one. So I wasn't buzzing going into it as a result of the prime target. I was kind of watching it going, this is very good technically. But then I was seeing things about like the sort of the Joe Coffee stuff. And I have to admit, I was kind of my because he was sort of that kind of he was in character like the whole time. So it didn't feel like any kind of insight into him. So I, I watched it and I didn't really enjoy the prime target. It made me know what was gonna I was gonna be watching later um, on. I got insight. Yeah, I found I, out I really that his mum his mum still still slangs around with her. He likes to drink instant coffee on a morning, cheap bastard. Bad <laughs> quality coffee, uh, Joe Coffee. He needs to have uh, some of the filtered stuff like me and you, JB. Yeah. Uh, but living the gimmick. He has got does live a slightly champagne lifestyle occasionally by shopping at Marks and Spencers because he was walking around a Marks and Spencers food bag at one point. But yeah. Expensive taste uh, when it comes to the food. Maybe saving the coffee, just buying maybe the Marks and Spencer's expensive fish. Have you ever seen how expensive their fish is? <laughs> no. <laughs> Some of the priciest fish on the market. I always look to see if I can get any reduce. Even their reduced fish is fucking expensive. Um, <laughs> He's a higher class man than um, than Shingo because I saw uh, Shingo was in the UK. Apparently he went to a went to a Tesco. Didn't even get himself a meal deal. Just pi- he posted a picture on Instagram. It was like two bits of like you know like that ready-made cooked chicken, about twenty <laughs> apples, two bottles of water, and about eight yogurts. And I was like, you know, you know, she goes eating that three times a day. What was that doing? diet? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't know what coffee had in his M and S bag, but I'd like to have found out. But I also found out that he was previously a member of the Beavers, as in the uh, organisation that leads into the Cubs and the Scouts, <laughs> which I was also a member of as a six-year-old boy. Wow. That was quite interesting. Um, supports yeah. Celtic. He supports Celtic as ben, well, apparently. Yeah. And Palmeiras. Yeah, yeah, they showed the Palmeiras fans, didn't they? I think the the idea was it was supposed to be like cheering Celtic fans, but yeah, the uh, yeah. WD production team got the got the wrong lot of fans. Well, I thought it was bloody warm in Glasgow that night because he had a big coat on him when he was saying that. And, <laughs> and Glasgow and Sao Paulo are quite easy cities to get confused. Sprawling <laughs> cities, lots of smog in the air. You know, green and white hoops. <laughs> I, I get him confused as well. <laughs> I did. I marked personally because I saw it with, like when Walter was cutting the promo about just basically running down Scotland uh, and, <laughs> and Gallus in general. But like the, the ice ring he was cutting that promo from. I've been there. I had a good pint at the uh, the bar next door to that when I was in Vienna. That 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 popped me. But that was probably uh, my favourite moment at the uh, the promo as well. I mean, I, I I don't want to do it down too much. So I think I got more enjoyment out of, out of it than you did, JP. I did think that it made. For me, you know, we joke about, you know, the seeing the, the insights into Joe Coffey's life, but it did give me, it make him more of a three-dimensional personality to me. And I did think that, like, it made me more interested in the pay-per-view, even if Jamesy had seemed to completely ignore the actual TV itself. It, like, it was like uh, Sean Ryan went in there and, and booked his own territory for 40 minutes. And to be honest, <laughs> it was better than the, uh, yeah. the NXT UK TV that I've uh, been catching up with over these uh, last two months. Yeah, it's yeah. like... He- Sorry, Sorry go, on, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say it was just like he was allowed to kind of book it properly by trying <laughs> to give it give it that kind of depth. The issue is it just didn't work for me either. Way. I, I don't know. It was like the stoicism, and I have that thought in the mind of the kind of that we've always spoken about as the the pros pro and the kind of like sort of Triple H kind of like 
uh, putting up a kind of block to stuff. And I was like, this is the main event baby face. And I couldn't, I could give less of a shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Go on, Jamesy. Uh, the, uh, the, the issue I had it with is like w- when you hire Sean Ryan, you inevitably make a comparison in your head to his work previously. So mm-hmm. like I'm watching this and I'm kind of, you, you can't help but compare it to the OTT videos. And like the, the, this, this WWE one was beautifully shot. It, it, like I think if the TV was more like this, I would be more interested. But the problem was for me that the basic subject matter that you're talking about is nowhere near as compelling as the OTT stuff. Like where OTT have David Starr, one of the most compelling, amazing speakers you'll ever kind of see in, in, in wrestling at the moment. They had Joe Coffey and he just he just doesn't have the like he was basically the main kind of character throughout the whole thing. Like they, they touched on the other matches, but the thread through the whole kind of documentary was Joe Coffey and he just doesn't have the charisma to pull it off. Like no. it, even the, the way he speaks is such a monotone. He's, he's just, you know, I, I would have liked to see a little bit of fire from him. And a little bit of passion from him, you know what I mean? And to hear him getting fired up about this prospect of getting a second chance to redeem himself after being, you know, he was talking about being treated as an afterthought after the the, the Dunn Walter match and that kind of thing, or the, the Dunn Walter confrontation. Um, and I didn't get any fire. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, but like, you know, he, he could try and convince us he isn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And there's, there was just nothing there. Like, and he's just a very weak subject material i think to be using to sell a pay-per-view on in my opinion he just it's it just and the storyline isn't there you know what i mean like they're they're having to kind of manufacture this contemptuousness on walter's part for scotland in general and that kind of thing because because there is no storyline between them and there is no you know you can't go back to the tv because they did nothing to build this animosity between them really you know what i mean so mm-hmm. the basic storyline isn't there and the documentary can only no matter how beautifully shot it is and no, no matter how well it looks if the nuts and bolts of the storytelling isn't there in the in the first place, there's only so much Sean Ryan can do, really. You know what I mean? And the other issue I had was, if anything, Walter came across quite likable. Like, he's, he, he was very relaxed. Like, he came across as the much better speaker, I thought. He was very relaxed. He was kind of joking about how how he hated Scotland and that kind of thing. And, and about, you know, it was almost tongue-in-cheek, his thing. And like he's the heel in the in, in this thing, and we're supposed to hate him, and we're supposed to come out of this documentary wanting to see Joe Coffey kick this guy's ass. And if anything, I can kind of came out of it liking Walter more than when I went into it. You know what I mean? And I don't think that was probably the intention of the whole thing, really. I think one of the things you sort of hit the nail on the head with James is the OTT stuff. The OTT stuff ultimately, the storylines with the videos are based around the OTT. Uh, laden with lots of history and sort of subtle storytelling that's taken place over a period of time. And therefore, the video packages that Sean Ryan has produced, he's got content to work with, and then he just enhances the story with his excellent uh, technical skills um, and the production values that he provides in the videos to tell those stories and enhance those stories. With this, it's like he's creating the story and he's yeah. got to find content to create the story from. So I thought he did a good job of remembering that Walter booted Joe Coffey at the end of the Dunn match last year, yeah. for example, and yeah. bringing that in. And I, I liked the approach where he had Joe Coffey watching back the Pete Dunn match. I thought that was actually quite a good, good little technique that he'd used there to try and establish that this guy's journey uh, was one that, you know, met a stumbling block a year ago, and here he is a year later with the same opportunity. It was certainly the most interested you could ever get me in Joe Coffey, and I'd say my interest level had gone from maybe a 1 out of 10 to a 4 out of 10 at <laughs> most yeah. with that, but he was 
it basically you had to clutch at straws to get something out of it. What I'll say is Gallus all over this as well. Um, yeah. Like, I, I'll be honest, I was sat there giggling to myself. I was watching this. My girlfriend was getting ready upstairs. We were going out yesterday evening. And I was watching this while she was getting ready. And she kept shouting down to me, asking me what I was laughing at. And it was like, <laughs> I can't explain. Like, I, I just can't explain. Like, And she's, well, her parents are Scottish. My in-laws are Scottish. And I was watching this and I was thinking to myself, you know what? As a Labour man, Scotland's gone. And we need to win back Scotland if we're ever going to seriously win a general election again. And realistically, I don't want there to be a second independence referendum. But... If there's any chance that it means that a second independence <laughs> referendum and a yes vote leads to the dissolution of NXT UK, and it means we just get some shoot off as NXT Scotland and we don't have to watch Gallus anymore, then fuck it. Like the SP get their second independence referendum. And we see the ultimate dissolution of the UK, and we no longer have to watch Gallus because my God, was I fed up a Gallus after this? I'm watching three blokes who they should be roadies for a shit metal band wheeling amps in and out of the cat house in Glasgow while tuning guitars on an evening for some bum average metal band. Like Wolfgang looks like he should be doubling up as a handyman on the estate or something while in the evenings loading up his transit van with several amps for like an Iron Maiden tribute act or something. Like. Man, if if a second independence referendum means Gallus fuck off and we get NXT Scotland or something or they re-enter the EU and we get some sort of NXT Europe and NXT UK just turns into Northern Ireland, Wales and England and we don't have to have any Scottish representation on these NXT UK shows, so be it. Because the Scottish representation on these shows, yeah, Kaylee Ray and Viper all right, but the rest of them, bloody hell. And Gnome Dar, he's shit as well. <laughs> These are, these are the baby faces, Joe. We're expected to root for Gallus. <laughs> oh. They're like a bad Irvin Welsh novel. I really like Irvin Welsh, but it's like watching shit train spotting watching these lot or shit filth or something. They're just so bad. Did we all see NXT this week? Like NXT proper, where Wolfgang got that hot tag? And literally, you could hear a pin drop. Like, and, and, that, and that's in front of full sale. You know, they'll cheer for anyone. My God, did he die a death there? And I tell, there was a line on the commentary tonight where one of the commentators said something like, oh, you know, they had a tough time in NXT. And I was like, yep, yep, they did because <laughs> they're fucking Gallus. Gallus? Oh. Well, <laughs> we should probably, yeah. <laughs> we're going to have lots to, start to say on Gallus themselves and uh, their proliferation over this show, but. Let's go through the show from the top. I mean, this was one of the one of the the first things I've watched on the WWE Network in a, in a little while. Uh, not a big fan of this new WWE Network. I couldn't, uh, could, I can never get rid of the progress bar on on my PC. I don't know if it's just me. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an absolute nightmare as far as like uh, navigation goes and just general uh, just usability goes. But once I got past that, threw this thing on. Like I say, the uh, the opened up. We didn't uh, so much get the Sean Ryan videos. We got a a weird video with Pete Dunne and Tyler Bates doing uh, voiceover, which was a uh, which was something. We then got the uh, the introduction of the the new, I assume, NXT UK music. Which my God, the amount! I think Martin put the old music in in the in our get in the bin segments on our year ender at least twice. If this is the replacement, then uh, I don't know if it's much better. Uh, but yeah, we got we got it that. Isn't. <laughs> We got that throughout the show. Uh, might try and put it as the intro to this episode, JP, just for you. Uh, <laughs> no. But yeah, that, that stuff was bad. I, I, I thought the overall, like, uh, you know, they introduced the commentary team. I did think the commentary team were, were good throughout the show. I think as far as being like WWE <laughs> number four 
all right. Oh, <laughs> <No>? Ben, no. <laughs> Nigel McGuinness, not a fan of Nigel? Mate, UK wrestling compare. legend, Nigel McGuinness? Oh, he's one of my favourite wrestlers ever. Hands up. <laughs> Love him. I love to keep calling him a UK wrestling legend. Like, if they keep doing that, like, I'll, I'll say, I'll only ever say good things about NXT UK. Yeah. And I'll be honest, anyway, NXT UK are ever getting me to a show is if he comes out of retirement and does one last match with Daniel Bryan. I think I'd be there in an instant. And that's the only draw they've got for me. But he compared Trent Seven to English football legends Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurts. Yes. I'm sorry. It's not, the, it's not the first time he's done that either. That's the thing he does. Malrose rubbing off on him. Yeah. Not literally. Exactly. Well, maybe literally. God knows what happens around those desks. <laughs> As a man who. <laughs> As a man who likes to make a reference, and I did compare uh, JY and Naito to Joe Hart and Jordan Pickford last week, England's former and England's current uh, number ones for those football fans not listening. Uh, I'm sorry, Bobby Moore or Jeff Hurst? Has Trent Seven won some sort of World Cup in football? Like, what? Has he got a hat trick in some sort of like WrestleMania main event. I don't think so. Like if you're going to compare him to anyone, I think it's someone who's been a solid journeyman and is Frank Worthington. I think Ricky Lambert. My second favorite Southampton player ever as a Saints fan. Love Ricky Lambert. I really like Trent Seven, but calm down. Like well, just an awful comparison. When he described uh, Kaylee Ray as well as the Glaswegian Sabu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. Okay, I take back on oh, yeah. 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 Now I just want to see Sabu who's killed. Death-defying Kaylee Ray. Yeah. Innovative Kaylee Ray. <laughs> she she's innovated independent wrestling all by herself. <laughs> well, the ICW, I suppose, ran in gritty venues like ECW did, to some yeah. extent. Yeah. Oh, my God. So 15 years, she'll be running Bootle, Benno, again. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that I got to see Sabu in a leisure centre in Bootle, uh, I'll never... Uh, that's a, that's an endless memory. I can't believe you used Sabu's uh, memory in like that was a name in vain like that. But I don't know, I don't, I, I don't mind. Like, as far as, like, the WWE announcers go, I think they're the best of a bad bunch, no? It's oh, just yeah, it's not Meryl. <laughs> it's not Meryl. And if it's not Meryl, you're winning at least with me because I, he is he's unlistenable. Yeah. I've never minded Phillips as much as the times I have to hear him in the sense that it's kind of inoffensive. Mm. And White he noise. delivers their WWE-isms in a slightly less awful yeah. way than the rest of them. It's not high praise. <laughs> Look, to me, anyone who goes on those shows, those preview shows and does commentary in WWE feels like they've been to some, like... WWE's version of like a Scientology school or something. <laughs> it feels like they're going clear. They've got the weird eyes. They've got the weird, samey robotic look, and they're spouting out the same weird hypnotic lines that come straight from the top to push the brand mm. and push the company and to please a man who probably wasn't even watching the show in Stanford, Connecticut. Like they're all shite. The commentary. <laughs> ultimately shit wrestling commentary generally isn't very good anywhere new japan and ott are about the only places that seem to nail it AEW has its moments i think wwe commentary is an absolute disgrace and i can't bear to listen to it and when i do have to listen to it i usually just zone it out because i'm so used to it and so bored of the tropes and cliches that they like to spout out sorry I- i'm just so down on this company generally <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, though, Joe, because you know what will happen if they get rid of Nigel? Who's going to step in? Glenn. Glenn. 
Oh, I'm well up for that. That'd be hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Would you watch a friend of No, I'm never watching NXT UK apart from the takeovers. Even if Glenn does commentary. Uh, You will force me to watch it when I'm at your house. (laughs) So I'll see it when I'm forced to watch it, but I'm not watching it out of choice. I've got better things to do. (laughs) Okay. Glenn and uh, and Callum Leslie on commentary in NXT UK. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Careful what you wish for, Joe. Uh, Maybe they'll spare us. Glenn, I'm all right with. Leslie, mm, mm. Oh, we got we got um, Regal on the pre-show as well. I suppose they could have given us Regal. He was he was actually quite good when he used to do the uh, the NXT proper commentary before it came like a an indie territory. There was a point we were watching this. It sounds like an awful thing to say, but he just looked all over the shop mm. during that pre-show stuff that was going on, and they were talking about the emotion as well, which wasn't a thing. And it was also it was clearly pre-recorded as well because they would have had the live TV taping going on. So the crowd was kind of dead. So it didn't have the same kind of atmosphere as when you see it like a, a takeover and they've got their panel and the crowd are coming in and it's a bit more of the kind of natural buzz. It didn't have that. So it was quite weird having someone who seemed to be getting so upset. Whereas if you put it on mute, it would have looked like, I don't know, the darts was being discussed or something. <laughs> Those lines. They do do well, that when like, they... Oh, go on, Joe. I just wonder if Regal was hanging out with Jimmy Avoc before the show or something, feeding him information about AEW and he got on the Jimmy Avoc diet for the afternoon. <laughs> Who knows? Based on how he looks here. Uh, I, I do wonder, like, I, I, obviously, like, the um, NXT proper, they do this too, like, sometimes, where when they've got a takeover and they're taping matches for next week's show, they will show, like, the building, like, slowly filling in like they did here. But, yeah, I'm not sure if, like, I got some... The Ogden brothers sent me some spoilers of the uh, of the matches before the show. I don't know if they're on the actual TV show or not, or if they're just dark. But let, brace yourself for these results, lad. A-Kid... Loses to Joseph Connors. Cassius Ono <laughs> loses to Dave Mastiff. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's what A-Kid gets. He didn't have to sign with them. True. So he deserves yeah. everything he gets. Let the story play out, Jamesy. They've got a long-term yes. plan. <laughs> it's just been, uh, been, in the, been in the plans for months. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear any complaining about A-Kid. He didn't have to sign there, and now there he's going to have to take his medicine and just get on with it and take his paycheck. Would a kid have been getting the Michael Oku push in Rev Pro right now? Is what I wonder. If he, they were pushing them, yeah. yeah, they were pushing them, yeah. Look, you've got to get Joseph Connors over. You know, there's a, there's lots of big fans of Joseph Connors out there, like our own Martin Bushby. He's uh, got something to <laughs> Sorry, Martin. Martin's renounced that opinion. I think I think Martin saw him look great in a nightclub once in Sheffield, and I'll never let him live that down. Uh, although, you know what? When he was doing like the heel uh, gimmick in progress, if he'd gone like full progress uh, fan group heel. I think there could have been something there with Joseph Carter's, but I don't know. That says everything about NXT UK. That should have been exploited a lot more, that <laughs> yeah. angle. There's money in that, wasn't there? I, I'm not so oh, sure yeah. there's money in Joseph Connors and Dave Mastiff in 2020. Like, I know Cassius Ono is aging out and he's basically like a player manager at this point, but there's so much more money on the table with Cassius. Like, he's a highlight of their TV. I've been watching their TV and I would much <laughs> rather watch Cassius, Cassius Ono, yeah, than anything else on this show, Jamesy. Absolutely, yeah. God, like just just put Ono and Walter in the main event. Ten oh, times better please. match straight away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just use him. He's like he doesn't have much left in the tank. For God's sake, just use the man when while you can. You know what I mean? Genius, Mac. <laughs> Especially use him against people who are, at least have maybe have got sort of youth and a high upside to them. To use Dave Mastiff. Well, 
this is the NXT UK we've been dealt instead. And yeah, to that note, we, uh, we started things off on the show with, uh, with our opener. Uh, and I do think, you know, Trent Seven's a, a good opener match kind of guy to get the crowd going. Or the Bobby Moore slash Jeff Hurst of, uh, of British wrestling out there against the Dragon of Wales. Uh, apparently the, uh, NXT UK Twitter account seems to be run by an American because they've made that mistake like four or five times now where it's Wales, like the animal. I don't know where a Dragon of Wales actually would be, but apparently it's Eddie Dennis. He's also apparently. Well, see, the- the, the Ryan Giggs at the promotion or something <laughs> as well, isn't he? Oh, come he's the, on. He's the progress champion, allegedly, John. Uh, that doesn't mean anything anymore. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, what did you think of this match? I thought it was fine for an opener. It was very spotty, a lot of big bumps. You know, Dennis hit that razor's edge really early, did that nutty razor's edge to the outside where he kind of... It's like a like a plant out there with his back to Trent catching Trent with his back. I think there was a similar spot on it on NXT proper recently. Dangerous one that I think the Trent also took out a, a shoot security guard on a dive. I don't know if anybody saw that with a security guard walking off holding his neck. Uh, a lot of big bombs in this one. A lot of big moves. You know, it was a spotty opener. Eddie Dennis, I'm not entirely convinced on in ring as a heel. I think Trent's good in this role. Uh, I thought it was what it was. Uh, I gave it the I gave it the gentleman's three on grapple. Uh, I don't know. Did you guys uh, go any higher or lower on this one, or what did you think of it? Three stars. This was very much felt like a three star match. I mean, simply in the sense of when things picked up, it was like the last minute or so because it had the Mad Razor's edge and the and the finish of the match, and that was pretty much it. I mean, I think obviously it's just the stop start nature of Eddie Dennis of like, how does he get, you know, for this, it was the idea of trying to gain that kind of momentum for him. It's obviously there's, there's always been the issue about the injuries as well. Um, It just didn't have any kind of substance to it. That was the, that was the issue I had. It was like that. I didn't feel at all invested in it, even though you'd say like on a, on a casual basis, I like both of the performers, but yeah, it was like the epitome of a three-star match. Yeah, I think they trust Trent Seven as a guy to open the show and get the crowd going. Mm. Um, and it was there to establish Eddie Dennis as a heel that I think has a ceiling. And I can't see, I don't think should really be pushed above this because I think mm. it's asking a lot of him. And I don't think he's got the ability, although I think he's fine, if anything. How about you, James? Yeah, like it's. it's it, I heard you guys talking about the the last progress show that you were at there on, on Grapple last week. And I was nodding my head in agreement when you were talking about Eddie Dennis. Like, even at the level of progress champion, I just don't buy him as credible. I, I don't think he looks mm. like a champion. I don't think his character... Like, they seem to see in him some kind of really good character work wrestler. Like, you can see that they're kind of asking him to do these sinister facial expressions and to kind of... He's kind of acting a little bit unhinged, like that, that angle they did where he appeared in the crowd and kind of caught Trent by the hand and they're zooming in on this facial expression he's making there. And I just don't think he's good enough to pull that kind of stuff off, you know? So I, I just, there's a credibility issue with Eddie Dennis for me. I, I, I see him as a very, very indie wrestler and seeing him here, it kind of is very jarring to me. Um, and I think you put him in with Trent and you get a reasonably fun match. The only thing, like when I think back on this match in a week's time, the only thing I'll remember is that big move to the outside. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, a very forgettable opening match to the show and certainly nothing to write home about. Well, they followed it up. You mentioned, we mentioned there he's the, uh, the progress champion, Eddie Dennis, and in the most progress move possible, match two, 
women's title. Tony Stark, right. Piper, and Kaylee Ray. Uh, <laughs> higher. Uh, definitely getting there. <laughs> definitely see the similarities to the uh, the booking pattern of uh, our favourite punk rock indie. Uh, yeah, this was uh, interesting, really, for me, because Tony Storm, I thought, after the last takeover, with that uh, apparently uh, classic match that all our children are going to be watching in future, she had with Kaylee Ray, where she got wiped out, really. I thought she was done with NXT UK, but... She's still around, uh, in here against the remains of the ITV World of Sport Women's Division. Uh, <laughs> some amateur dramatics in the middle of this with the chair building off the, the weird three-way feud they've been trying to build that, uh, Sean Ryan did his best to put over in that promo video. Kaylee Ray tried to kill herself uh, a couple of times in this match. Like I say, not quite, uh, sabootal levels, but she did it, did her best. I don't know. I thought this thing was at its best when it was the daft big bumps and at its worst when it was uh, quite a bit messy, I thought, in the uh, in the first 10 minutes or so. It had the normal WWE shite, heel steals the finish kind of uh, ending that you get in all of these triple threat matches. But again, thought it was okay. Wasn't massively moved by it. Uh, Jamesy, uh, any higher from you? 2.75 no. on the grapple. Yeah, exactly that. 2.75. Um, it's just every... WWE triple threat match ever really you know as you said um, the, the, the finish was the exact finish you could predict that that the heel steals the pin after the face does all the work um, they did the it's the usual thing there's two people in the ring hitting moves while the other one lies on the outside and then the third one comes in and takes over and someone else goes to the outside um, and they did that that spot which has become completely contrived like I remember the first time I saw that the, the spot where, 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 the, where, the, where the wrestler stops the referee hand from counting I think it was when when Triple H HBK and Benoit wrestled at Wrestlemania and um, they stopped the ref from counting at the last minute and obviously they were told backstage by everyone that that was an amazing spot because here we are with the two guys agenting the match and there we have that spot done again by Tony Storm you know and it's just so cliched and you know there's nothing in this match that that I remember at least in the last match you had the big bump to the outside like you know again get back to me in six months time and I remember nothing at all about this match it just a nothing match and you know it's every time I see Tony Storm wrestle I'm kind of I'm just scratching my head she must be one of the most over pushed people in terms of the the chances she's been given and the position she's been put in relative to her talent level I, I just don't see it with her and I don't really see how she keeps getting these chances I'm just completely underwhelmed by her matches every time I see her you know um, so yeah as I said forgettable average match over but bollocks, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Bama, you were going to talk. I'll come back to me. No, I was just going to say, like, I think with Tony, just to reply to James, I think with, with Tony Storm, I think every new territory she gets into, they go, she's got a great look. She's got something of a star premise, uh, star presence, sorry. Let's give her a go. And then we get the same run that we get everywhere with those, you know, three star maximum. Yeah. Kind of, but, but it's a, it's a nothing run every time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over again. I think we'll go. It'll be rinse repeat. It'll be the same when she does eventually go up to NXT proper. I think. Yeah. But maybe the thing she's got going for her, she is still quite young, and maybe that's what people see as well. Everyone keeps thinking she's going to develop into into something <coughs> more. But no, go on, Joe. Have at it. Uh, you didn't enjoy it then. Uh, no, not really. Um, I thought that, like, Tony Storm, I don't think has improved in about two years. I think yeah. she's completely missing the presence and charisma that someone like a Tessa Blanchard has um, when she walks into an arena and there's just an aura around her. And that's the part of the game that Tony Storm has never been able to add. I think some of her acting and the acting generally between these three is terrible. Some of the absolute 
dirt worst character stuff I've seen in some time. Like after a week where I saw some of the greatest character stuff I've ever seen in New Japan, and then to watch this like cliched boring rubbish where they're talking about how they're three sisters you know what i saw a film about four sisters today at the cinema in oscar worthy film little women and it was some fantastic storytelling some fantastic acting and i come and watch this shite where they're claiming to be three sisters and you're like different fucking world this is embarrassing like it's just bad when they got that chair out the match went to utter shit yeah whoever was agent in this match had some grand ideas that went nowhere. It was just, it was just rubbish. Um, did someone, did Tony Storm do a pedigree as well at one point? I thought, (laughs) like someone kicked out of. And it was kicked out of. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to be, she she couldn't get the, she couldn't get the strong zero. So she had the pedigree instead. She's going to be in a lot of trouble tonight. <laughs> could, could be her gone out, out in the Indies now as a result of well, that. Well, we had we yeah. had um, three legends in Johnny Saint Regal and Triple H watching from the Royal Box, didn't we? It looked like so. I'm sure Triple H was shaking his head up in the Royal Box in that one. <laughs> That's a triple threat. I want to see. Even now, I think I'd rather watch that than this. Uh, Triple H would bury them both. <laughs> he really would do. You couldn't it? resist. Um, yeah, I, just to mirror a lot of the thoughts of what you guys had with that. There was uh, for me. Just when the chair came in, it just all went south. The crowd seemed to completely die at that point as well for the sake of sort of quote-unquote drama. Um, then they would have those, there was a kind of minute of the Kaylee Ray trying to kill herself with some mad spots, but ultimately just no meat on the bones. And yeah, just to mirror the things about Tony Storm, this character that is there at the minute, like... A, it hasn't at all developed in the last couple of years in terms of her characterization or in the ring. Um, this, she's in danger of kind of, I don't know. It's very odd. The character I was looking, I was like, she is not the face in this match. Do you know where I think she'd be no fine, sense. though? Where? Main roster. Yeah, yeah. just be another body on the main roster and Vince are probably fancier because she's kind of his type, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. And that gets you kudos there. So she'd be fine. And the matches would be of the expected level on the main roster. If she's on SmackDown, I think she'd be absolutely fine. But mm. I think she's kind of at a ceiling at the moment. I, I, can't, I just, I think I'm with James in that I can't watch her have more of these three star matches. Like I'm, like I feel like at least a year ago I thought we were done seeing Tony Storm in these matches, and, and yet still here we are. That entire, I mean, in terms of the everything about NXT UK is kind of just in a stasis, isn't it? Mm. And the women's division in particular, just like nothing has kind of progressed or moved on, pardon the pun, That's a, the, la- the last year. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a good segue, actually, JP, into what came up next, because next in the crowd, uh, you might remember this name, uh, Travis Banks, uh, <laughs> from a couple of years ago. Oh. <laughs> he was in the crowd here, Jamesy, uh, getting the... Uh, Getting the, the superstar kind of moment where you got to shake hands with some fans and just kind of be there. Uh, odd one, that, isn't it? Like, a way to get him on the show, I suppose. But talk about the forgotten man in European wrestling. Yeah, big time. And you guys made made the very good point on Grapple last week that in, in a different universe, he's he's probably on that Wrestle Kingdom card tagging with Taiji Ishimori and Bullet Club. You know, like if... If, if he stays independent and he stays doing his thing with Rev Pro and that, he probably takes El Fantasmo's spot, really, you know what I mean? Because he's probably a better wrestler than him. And he would really suit that Japanese style of wrestling an awful lot, you know? So it's like, you know, every time these cards come up, you, you look on the sidelines at, at the people who aren't included. Like, so again, you, you had Ilya Dragunov 
do nothing on this show. Like one of the genuinely one of the best wrestlers in Europe, Travis Banks. You know, there's a long list of people doing nothing. You know, so it's yeah, it's just very very symptomatic of the stasis and the the the. the the poor usage of people, I think, more than anything on these shows. You know what I mean? Like, there's a guy who's completely stagnated. When he does indie shows now, he's doing meme wrestling. He's sexy Travis Banks, and he's tagging with Club Tropicana and OTT and that kind of thing. And you're kind of thinking, God, like, I, I wish that the Travis Banks, who was in Fight Club Pro two or three years ago, winning that Infinity Tournament and, and wrestling Pete Dunne was back again. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you miss these guys, you know what I mean? And you, you miss how well they were used and, and how how they were doing things that must have been so much more creatively fulfilling to them as performers than what they're doing at the moment, which, as you said, sitting in the crowd, waving at fans and trying to look like he's happy to be there. You know, it's it's it's, it's crazy stuff, really. Yeah, i got to say, when I saw this, I thought to myself, you know, there's been a, a grand resignation this week that's made international news as Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have stepped down from the royal family <laughs> and want to be independent. And I was watching this thinking, that's a good wave he's got there. And royals often sit in the crowds at sporting events in suits and watch stuff and then present stuff and maybe shake hands with the, the public that fund them. Perhaps he's, you know, auditioning for a vacancy to say Prince Harry's place in the royal family here, because that's a hell of a wave you've got there. And a lovely sort of demeanour you've got when interacting with the general public. I thought to myself, he doesn't look too dissimilar from Prince Harry either. But a Prince Harry cosplay could be in his future, potentially. That's a bit of meme wrestling. Why doesn't he do a Prince Harry gimmick on indies, potentially? Or look up at the royal box and see what sort of wave he can give to that box. Because, yeah, it was a hell of a wave. At least Travis Banks can take, you know, some consolation at the end of 2020. The fact that, you know, he can be the king of wave star, possibly. <laughs> uh. A good night's work. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. What a wave. <laughs> Perhaps he's no. waving his career away and he knows it. <laughs> yeah. oh. Goodbye, credibility. Uh, I'd be careful, yeah. Joe, because, yeah, Glenn and Jim will be listening to this and that'll be his gimmick now. He'll be like a, a modern uh, <laughs> commissioner, William Regal. Maybe they can do that. Uh, give him something to do on the TV. Yeah. Being in the crowd doesn't quite cut it. I thought he might play into the, the, the Tyler Bay Jordan Devlin match. Maybe they'd be building something there, but no. He was just there to wave. Uh, but... <laughs> I, I I suspect it's just going to lead to a heel turn that won't end up actually going anywhere. Yeah. That's just seemed like, I was like, all right, that's going to happen in the next one. I'm like, I wasn't on the next one. He had me waving in the crowd and it's like, I'm sure we've seen that two or three times already. You can't get a man of a which, which, which was Jordan's story. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the, the guys who don't get to be on shows have an angle for the next show. They get to give out about not being on the show and it just gets recycled <laughs> around. It's your turn now. If you, if you work hard, you get to be not happy. recycled. Yeah. 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 Do you think NXT UK, so you think when promotions often start and often get a bit of run, a bit of buzz at points, it's had no buzz. It's had nothing exciting really ever going on. Have you ever known of a promotion that has just been so mediocre for its entire run? Because I'm really struggling to think of a promotion that has ever been this mediocre TNA. from its inception. TNA had better periods. Think of like oh, Austin Aries yeah. race to the top. The yeah. jo- Samoa Joe's, Joe. the triple yeah. threat stuff there. And when, and when it was bad, slightly, slightly ironic. Okay, yeah. Yeah. But, but when TNA was bad as well, it was entertaining. This is just middling <laughs> cookie cutter tea. You know what it is? Like for me, I've always kind of looked at it like. You know, a lot of, you know, we'll make jokes about how, you know, people get signed to NXT UK and they're just marks for having the word WWE on the contract. I think that extends to backstage as well. I think the people running it are happy to be there, aren't going to step outside of the 
you know, very cookie cutter, you know, decided ahead of time WWE formula. They're not going to argue the toss when some road agent thinks that Dallas are these great super workers, these good hands who should be, who should be pushed hard and they're just along for the ride. And yeah. there's none of the spark or the creativity or there's the willing to step out of the box that we got at the start of the Brit Res broom. Like this is, this is not our Brit Res, is it? This is not the Brit Res we all got into, you know, a couple of years, especially a couple of years ago when it, when the proper boom did start. It's really interesting because me and JP had a very similar conversation what you just mentioned there, Ben. I turned to JP during the show and said, have you ever known of a promotion where so many of the guys in the promotion have been marks for the promotion? And I can't think of one ever because these guys outside of maybe Walter, I think are just complete marks for the product and for the company and are like, oh my God, I'm in WWE. Mm. And they can't get over themselves that they've achieved their lifelong dream of getting into a subpar brand of WWE. Imagine if, yeah, imagine if, I don't know, um, Aaron Wilbraham, who now probably plays in League Two, or Delroy Facey. He scored in the cup. <laughs> I saw. Football League legend. Yeah. Was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm a football player. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Just ridiculous. Like, these guys can't get over themselves. They've got these fucking contracts and need to grow up. And I think that's top down. I think Jim, Glenn, Briley, I think they're all just like shaking with excitement still. Yeah. They're in WWE. Oh my God. They're the biggest marks of all. It's unbelievable. Like, yeah. serious. And they're reality. Check. Yeah. Puro fan Jim that. Smallman. What was that, James? I'd just say, like, it breeds complacency. If you're given a job where you're so grateful just to have the job that succeeding at the job or, or you know, doing the thing, like, to make great wrestling, you have to take risks. And you think about any era of wrestling where where true greatness happened. Like, you'd, you'd look back at New, you always talk about New Japan guys on grapple as, as the gold standard, certainly of the last decade and that kind of thing. Look at the yeah. risk that they took in 2012 when they put the belt on Okada. And everybody, yeah. nobody, nobody could understand what they were doing, but they were ballsy and they put the belt on this guy and look how much that guy has repaid them. Like, he, you know, he had a generational rivalry with Tanahashi. He's, you know, they, they just put 70,000 people in the dome with him in the main events. You know what I mean? Like, but it, it was risky. And there was, he was a hungry guy who kind of came back from being mistreated in, in America, probably with a bit of a chip on his shoulder. And that's how greatness happens in all walks of life. You know, you have to have that little bit of, anger about you almost and that little bit of you know the thing that gets you up in the morning to almost prove people wrong and that kind of mm. thing and that's not mm. there in w, in, in NXT UK there's complacency and there's people just happy to be there and when people are just happy to be there there's no motivation to be to be different to to do something you know to, to change what you did on the indies to be something you know different it's it's just it's just the same thing and it's 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 yeah it's just so bland I think you're absolutely right there yeah. James it's an absolutely great point and I think I get the impression that the likes of Triple H and the, the higher ups of WWE just love this brand because they've never they're so they're so glad that everyone is just in place and gets in line and just does yeah. what they have to do because they don't cause them any trouble, it seems, they don't cause them any hassle. They're easy to manage, they're easy to just push around because they're so happy to be there. It's tragic. It's really, really Well he helped out the really British team by uh, you know, making sure that, you know, some people they were only gonna be paid what seventy five pounds as opposed to twenty five and the rings were always breaking. So <laughs> thank God they stepped in to save the entire United <laughs> Kingdom yeah. wrestling scene. Yeah. In, in that way. Yeah, I just uh, to mirror those thoughts. They're the mo- it's the most risk averse promotion, this one. And it's funny enough, 
I'm going to be thinking, I was thinking quite a lot of that in the next match as well. Yeah. To a certain oh, degree. I think next, the yeah. next match is the uh, kind of antithesis of the marks yeah. in a, in a wrestling match in WWE. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, imagine if someone had said, sorry, yeah, I'll let you, sorry, Ben. Go on, JP, what are you going to say? I was going to say, imagine if someone had said Tyler Bate, Jordan Devlin, half an hour, go at it. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of a ladder match in terms of marks in WWE. Oh, sorry, uh, sorry. <laughs> well, next up there was Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin. I think based on that and based on conversations I've had with, with Ollie yeah, or, or senior, senior tweets specifically, Jamesy, I think we might have some different views on this. Like that conversation there is probably not the best leading for, for it from my point of view because I did think this was the highlight of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we'll probably mostly agree on that, but I wonder to what extent we're going to agree. But I did think, you know, the, the crowd kind of did come alive for it. Uh, they were there with the, I mean, the shift in Balachance. I can, uh, I can leave for Jordan Devlin like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's their own fault. They, they booked a year ago, they booked Jordan Devlin for Mbala. Back when the Jordan Devlin chance, had, the, the, the shift in Bala chance had seemed to subside for Devlin brought it all back again and it kind of hasn't gone away since uh but i will say the crowd were hot for it maybe there were times when it didn't seem like they were entirely reacting to the action itself which might say something about a level of investment but they were certainly loud i thought you know there was a a lot of good spots in this match it felt like a a very spotty match i would probably say a lot of Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of uh, good you know, athletic uh, action. I would say I got a good, a lot of you know. There were, there were glimpses in this match of what kind of made Rip Res a hot territory. Uh, your mileage might vary on you know the the story as a whole. Your mileage might vary on Jordan Devlin losing again uh, in a Takeover UK match. But yeah, I went four stars for it. Tyler Bate and Jordan Devlin. Uh, I really enjoyed it. But I don't know, Joe JP, do you want to go first? What did uh, what did you guys make of uh, of this one? Maybe you, Joe, were you uh, higher on this than uh, I'm expecting you to be on the uh, the ladder match we're gonna talk about in a bit. Um, what I'll say for this, right? So. I've got a feeling that I'm going to be closer in line with Jamesy, but I did still think it was a good match. I went four stars on it, mm-hmm, and I thought there was some really good stuff in there. Um, a- athletically, both guys, super impressive. No denying that. Great physical shape. There was chemistry as well. Now, what I would say for this, the last match I watched between two athletically great performers, last night after match of a day finished, getting ready for the Grapple 100, which we're recording tomorrow, I need to do some rewatching. So I rewatched Osprey versus Shingo. And my God, that is one of the best matches I've ever seen. It's an easy five star match. It's my matcher, matcher 2019. And Spoilers. that was in my mind when I was watching this <laughs> because that match is an organic match. That match, everything feels natural. Everything leads from one thing to the next thing in a very natural way. Whereas when I was watching this, I was thinking, there's some good sequences in here. But everything feels slightly patterned and predictable. It feels like it's very much following this formula of uh, what WWE view as an athletic match. And the WWE agents ultimately want ownership over that athleticism that is kind of distributed in the match. And for me, that's a real shame because it takes away from the match and it's not what I want to see. And yeah, sometimes I enjoy this style, but I think if I hadn't watched Osprey Shingo the night before and it was fresh in my mind and I went to bed in a massive high last night after watching it, I think I might have enjoyed this match a little bit more. So it's maybe my fault for thinking of that match in comparison to it, which is maybe a little bit unfair on the guys as well. Now, what I'll say 
there were some spots in here that I really, really did not like. One of the things I'll say is if this was in OTT, they'd have a better match. Imagine yep. this match in OTT mm. with a proper grudge where the guys could do their thing. James, he did an incredible podcast with David Starr where David Starr told him a lot of the Devlin match was kind of called in the ring. And my God, was that match amazing. And that's two pros at the top of their game putting on what I thought was a close to five-star match. Very, very close. Now, one of the bits I love in Devlin Starr is the boxing sequence. Mm. My God, is that visceral. My God, is it brutal. Mate, uh, hairs on the back of my Angus of my McNally neck. building up on, oh, on yeah. how good Jordan Devlin boxing is. The moment of the year is. for me, that boxing match. Yeah, and I think also being in the National Stadium, which is a boxing venue, it's got extra pathos there as well, and with a Devlin story on around that. Now, they did that sequence here in a random match on a UK takeover. It didn't feel earned in any way at all. It felt like a spot on the night just to have a spot on a different sequence in a match. It didn't feel organic. It didn't feel natural. And if you're going to throw this out there on this show in a perceived big match, you're going to kill how meaningful these spots are when you use them in matches that have properly earned them. And that's the problem I have with this kind of NXT style at this point in time. Everything is so patterned. Everything is so agented to within an inch of its life. And they throw stuff out that they feel special to try and get some sort of match of the year acclaim rather than letting the stuff come organically and rather than valuing those spots and saving them for an even bigger occasion and understanding how and where they will feel organic. And I wonder if that's a little bit of immaturity on the guy's side of me not thinking that through. And someone like a David Starr I'm just mentioning is a, a genius, if you ask me, in terms of understanding that. Maybe as much as I love both of these guys as wrestlers, they wanted to just have a match of the year style match on the night and didn't really keep that in mind when doing it. And the agents had maybe seen the match and thought, yeah, throw this bit in as well. So good, good match, good athletic match, but I'd rather see this an OCT or in a better promotion than this NXT UK bollocks. How about you, JP? Yeah, kind of have to mirror some of these views. God, um, I went four stars as well. Cause I thought technically it was uh, a very good professional wrestling match. Where I was um, is, and like what, what Joe has said here as well, there's a better match in them. But also, when it came to the boxing sequence, that's the kind of thing exactly that you would have in a blood feud type match. And this really wasn't the case. I kind of wanted to see like a wrestling match with a lot more wrestling before it kind of devolved into kind of some of the punch kick style stuff which by God we got plenty of in the main event. <laughs> and they, there wasn't enough, like they can, these guys have got a bit of ingenuity about them. They could put together some really creative stuff. Um, you know, they were given a good bit of time, but it just felt like, you know, rather than a contest between two of them, it was good about who is the best wrestler. It was, it was trying to turn it into kind of what was really an unorganic feud. So for me, you know, I went four stars, but I had higher hopes, obviously looking at this, you know, but it was, my, it was my match of the night, but not as good as I thought it'd be. How about you, James? You did the, uh, 
the segments that the lads mentioned there, the boxing, did that stand out as much for you? I I got the idea behind it because obviously Tyler Bate uses that bop and bang thing and that was probably, oh, oh, yeah, we can yeah. do that. We can make that part of the match. But yeah, do uh, do get the point about the uh, it not being a, a blood feud so maybe stands out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It had a lot of the elements that make the uh, the great Jordan Devil a match, but was it, was it there for you, James? No, and, and 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 a lot of what Joe said would, would would be very much what I would think as well. Like, I, there's a phrase that comes to mind for me when I watch not just NXT UK but NXT in general, and it's it's the phrase the forced epic. I don't know where somewhere where I saw that used first. It's probably a, I probably read a very scathing review of a match at some point. It's where they're going out trying to have an epic and trying to force a match into being an epic when the conditions that have an epic match just don't exist. And as you said, Joe. You know, there was some build up to this match on the TV, but the build revolved around Jordan Devlin not being happy that he wasn't on the last takeover and having a bee in his bonnet about it and Tyler Bay taking exception to that. And that's pretty much the level of depth we're talking about with this match. And then they go out and have this match that doesn't mirror that. You know what I mean? So like and when I see Jordan Devlin and Tyler Bate, to me those two guys are two of the very, very, very best wrestlers in the yeah. world. Like, you know, they, they, these aren't these aren't nobodies. Like, there's a lot of wrestlers that we scoff at on NXT UK, but these two guys are serious wrestlers. Like, and I, I would put them, you know, you guys talked about tiers of wrestlers in the world. I'd have those two guys very, very close to the top tier of wrestlers on the planet. Oh, so for them, tier, like top of tier two, if you ask me. Easy. Yeah, I, I would, I, like, I, I had Jordan something like sixth in the world last year. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a serious wrestler. Yeah, you know? definitely. Yeah, yeah, and that's, in the context of him being stuck in WWE so much, you know. So so the, the point is, you put those two guys in a ring and like four stars from, I gave it three and a half, I think. Four stars isn't good enough in my book. Like On this stage, when, you're, when they're wrestling in a promotion that only does two pay-per-views a year, I want a really great match, but I need there to be depth to it as well. You know what I mean? And this thing just didn't give me the depth. And like, it just felt to me like two really, really good wrestlers doing and they did so much stuff in this match as well and i kind of feel like they didn't have to do half the stuff they did and some of it was seriously contrived as well like that that spot when they were on the top rope and they were setting up the half spanish fly and it felt like they stood on the top rope for an age and they were facing the wrong way and they had to hold on to each other and kind of shuffle around to get into position and it just felt so forced and felt so contrived and as you said, the perfect comparison is the Devlin Star match, where it was so organic. They called the whole thing in the ring, and it felt like two guys fighting. I never felt like these two were fighting in the match today. I just felt like they were two really talented guys doing an awful lot of athletic spots. And that, to me, is what the NXT style is. You know, like I think back to those Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano matches, like and what they devolved into, where they're just throwing so much stuff at you. And then you think about those matches. I keep talking about these matches. Think about these matches a week later, and they've thrown so much stuff at the wall that none of it registers and none of it sticks with you. Whereas if you kind of pick your spots, like you know those great New Japan matches, you think about spots like, you know, you're, you're, you when Omega collapses before he can take the Rainmaker from Okada, or when you know, it's similar things like that. The, the boxing match between Devon and Star and that kind of thing. They're all simple spots, but they stay with you forever because they're earned and they mean something. And the stuff these guys were doing in this match was just, it was just a match. And it may as well have been a cruiserweight match on Nitro 
you know, uh, where you had these these luchadors doing decent stuff. You give it three and a half stars and you never think about it again, because ultimately, in as much as those those luchadors that were on Nitro didn't really matter to the people running the company, these guys don't ultimately matter either. And the stuff that they're doing doesn't really matter in the greater context of things. And that's the problem. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a difference, I think, as well, between proper storytelling, like you mentioned with the Omega bit, the Star Devlin bit there, and the forced epic, as you said there, Jamesy. And I think forced epic is the best term I've heard to sum up this style of match and is a term I'll be using in the future. So thank you for that. <laughs> My pleasure. I, I don't know who I stole it from, but it, it, it keeps coming to mind. Even when I watch NXT proper and NXT takeovers, like I used to love those takeovers and I always found there were great matches on them. But I just feel like every match now has to be this epic. And it's like, if you just held back and had maybe one or two epics a year, instead of one or two epics in every show, then maybe things would register a little bit better, you know? Yeah, the formula of those shows is uh, leading them to a kind of staleness, I think, at this point. Um, And they're regressing a bit. Can I mention one thing, one chant that occurred during this match as well? Oh, go on. Are you watching Vince McMahon? (laughs) Yes. Now, if he's watching, I doubt he is. He's not going to enjoy this. Like, what's the point in chanting no. it? You don't understand Vince McMahon if you think he's going to watch this and go, whoa, these guys. Like, I'd get a reality check, guys. Like, some proper mutants in that crowd tonight. <laughs> <laughs> my, my daughter vomited in the middle of this match, and I thought it was the, and it was just when that chanting started as well. And, and I thought it was the most appropriate time <laughs> for somebody to ever vomit was just as that rubbish started from the crowd. What, what were the Ogdens doing? They were there. They should have been taking the, the, this crowd by yeah. the scruff of the neck and getting them going. Yeah, that was that was kind of a comment. I, mean, I literally hated everyone in this crowd from some of the chance of this match, uh, except for the Ogden boys, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, and that, the Finn Balor stuff is still happening. Oh, Come on, like I, I understand yeah, get, yeah. getting on a heel's case and giving the heel a bit of jip and that kind of thing. Like, but come on, think of something more. And you know what? It's their fault for putting them in there with Finn Balor in the first place. Yeah. Whenever that last takeover was, or two takeovers ago, whatever it was, they, they basically told the crowd to chant us. So they've only got themselves to blame, really. Yeah, I think we all kind of came out at the same place. Maybe it's an expectation thing. I kind of, I came out. I think maybe I liked it a little bit more than you guys. I enjoyed the finish. I enjoyed like the the Tyler driver kick out leading to Tyler scrambling up to the top rope as quick as he could for the for the big move. Uh, I'd probably say if like there was a match that I'd recommend from this show, it'd be this. But I don't think yeah, your criticisms are invalid. I think that is absolutely uh, the case. Uh, I'm not not a fan of the uh, the labored WWE big epic kind of match um and this definitely definitely had elements of that even if maybe there were there were parts of it that just like it was a popcorn match i'd say uh that i that i definitely enjoyed but yeah like like you've all said both of these men have got more in the locker than a popcorn match and fuck me tyler bates like you're considering like the prodigy that he is in wrestling like when was the last time we talked in in this detail about a tyler bait match it would probably be the Walter match, wouldn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. From yeah. last year, that you know, again, that had some of the problems of the uh, the NXT main event tropes in it that maybe would keep it away from my top matches of the year list. But it was on quite a few people's top matches of the year list. Uh, imagine, like we said, with Travis Banks, Tyler Bates, somewhere else, anywhere else, uh, getting to you know have more matches against more world class opponents rather than than again being uh, relegated to League Two uh, here as he is. It's another. As well, though, because I saw the other day that Tyler Bate wrestled like 40 matches last year. 
Like Tyler Bate at 22 should be wrestling 100 matches a year. Mm-hmm. Should be wrestling regularly. Like it's it's criminal that he gets buried opponents as yeah. well. Yes. Who is he wrestling? Those matches. Yeah, he wrestled on average less than once a week last year. That's insane. Yeah. And how many of those were even singles matches? I would yeah. say if you, if you could count up one hand the amount of singles matches he had, which is which is ridiculous. I believe yeah. As far as like UK singles matches, I believe it is less than five. Because I remember at that last takeover, he was going in with one single UK t- um, singles match going into his title wow. match with Walter. Inexcusable in it. Um, but I would say like yeah, I think there was kind of a theme in this show in that. You know, I'd like to say the show ended there and it's all over and we were over to the, we moved over to BBC Scotland for the, for the last two matches, but they, <laughs> they did actually happen, but they continued kind of, especially the, like this match that, uh, you're about to go into then, Joe, this, uh, this ladder match, it kind of continued the theme. Like I say, bait Devlin, it was spotty, but I enjoyed the spotty nature of it. This ladder match with Gallus, the South Wales subculture, Grizzled Young Vets and Imperium, like this for me was just, every WWE ladder match I've ever seen in my life. It had loads of spots in it, but like I was struck, I was scratching my head. I actually still don't know, thinking back now, how a match this spotty and this car crash was simultaneously so boring. And I wonder, is the answer just Gallus were in it? Maybe that's what it is. You know, super baby face tag team Gallus, uh, in there. I mean, there were points where I had a good laugh, you know, when Mark Coffey broke the table. That was fun. Uh, that was when the went, That was fun. But I don't know if that's the reaction they were looking for from me. And I like when Gallus won as well, cause that's a top tier troll. Oh, job. I did. But, yeah, I don't think that's the reaction they want from us, though, Joe. Like, I've never be, been so nonplussed in such a, a dangerous match in parts. Look, for me, I saw at the start of this match, there was a video package, right? And I said to JP before the show, um, those lads in that ladder match are going to be thinking, are going to kill themselves. And they're going to think, I remember when Jeff Hardy and Edge got these big pushes on the back of these ladder matches that we watched when we were kids. And we watched the censored version of the TLC3 maybe on SmackDown. They cut all the spots out. Maybe they'll remember that as well. And I said to JP, it's not the year 2000. And then the video package they showed before the match was exactly what I said to JP. It was like, they had spots for this happened 20 years ago, <laughs> and this could happen to you. Ain't going to fucking happen. Those <laughs> matches were fucking awesome. They were innovative at the time. I think of them in terms of like action as like the, 20 years the ago. diehard, the point break, the Terminator 2 of their era. This is like the Transformers of its era, the Michael Bay schlock that we've seen over and over again with shite CGI action and they're just boring and the storytelling's boring in it and the actors are boring in it. Uh, it's like you've gone from having Jeff Hardy and Edge in like the Bruce Willis and Patrick Swayze type roles and I don't know, Bubba Ray Dudley in the Schwarzenegger role and now you've got these guys and the bland whoever gets cast in the next Transformers movie roles basically. They ain't going anywhere after a result of this match and they bloody killed themselves to end up yeah. just in, in Hull in front of 600 people at another TV taping. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have to say like thinking back on this match now and watching it, it's like kind of like a, it's almost existentialist in the sense of watching people kill themselves for no real reason in front of you uh, with, with all manner of table spots. And it's like, this is quite depressing in a dark night of the soul type way. Cause I've watched <laughs> Fabian Eichner do a fucking daft flip onto a ladder as well. 
um, had a nice little bit of surrealism with the Mark coffee table spot <laughs> and just the general absurdity out of it. I don't know where I'm going with all of the kind of references, trying to make it sound more cultured than what it was, but that's just all an excuse to hide the fact that Gallus won a ladder match. And for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's exactly what you imagined it was. And Gallus won. <laughs> I was going to say, when you're doing your list of people who killed themselves, though, JP, I don't know what the analogy would be, but Andrews and Webster, like, when that when that table broke hilariously under the uh, the weight of uh, whatever that coffee brother is called, and they, they went, they, they, you could see them call it on the spot. Andrews was like, you know, you could see him whispering something uh, into Webster's ear, and then they both went to the top of the ladder, and they both yeah. did the centre at the same I was like, half of me is like, you know, fair play, lads. You're killing yourselves here to, to save the spot. But you're also killing yourselves for what? Like for what reason? Like for this match? Like I, I mean, considering it's a ladder match, Jamesy. Like I feel like the, the floor and a ladder match should be high. I gave it two point seven five. Even that, I'm thinking, was that high? Uh, I mean, what what did you go on it? What did you make of this thing? Yeah, I think I gave it three. And you're just giving it for three for the fact that they did kill themselves. Yeah. But like, if if you're if people are killing themselves in a match and you don't care, then there's no point in killing yourself. Yeah. And like, I, I I keep making comparisons to OTT and to, and to New Japan and that kind of thing. But like, we have to refer back to, to better wrestling. You know what I mean? And um, there was a ladder match at the stadium um, in October between two young Irish wrestlers, LJ Clearly and LJ Clearly and Scottish Scotty Davis, and. I remember being quite worried before that match because I thought they're young guys and they're going to do exactly what these guys did here. They're going to want to kill themselves to get over. And if they had done, the stadium probably would have gone crazy and great. You know what I mean? But what instead they did, like, and this is a 19-year-old and I think a 21-year-old, they had the maturity to go out there and have a match filled with psychology where there was one ladder in the match and they treated that ladder like the most dangerous thing in the world. And they worked spots around it where they didn't have to take five or six crazy bumps that'll take years off their career. And they still got the same reaction. You know what I mean? And like, there was a time when that kind of careful thing would have been in WWE where, where there would have been agents there who would have kind of quelled the kind of more, more you know, silly tendencies of the wrestlers and said, no, like you don't have to kill yourself. But that seems to have gone away. And now we have this situation where we have so many ladder matches. Like, like wasn't there two ladder matches on NXT TV two weeks in a row in the last month as well? Mm, yeah. Wasn't it wasn't it two weeks in a row? So this like yeah, in the last Donovan Dijak was in two. Yeah, and it yeah, was qualifiers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so like they've th- this completely overdone gimmick, and like there is nothing now that people can do with ladders that impresses me anymore. There are no new spots left. There's nothing left for people to do, and like maybe the likes of a Ricochet who's incredibly athletic, might think up of something spectacular. But like, you're not going to get it from Flash Morgan Webster and Wolfgang and these guys. And I had no expectations going into this match. And it, it, it was it was the match I expected. I knew they'd do stupid things. I knew they'd do crazy bumps. And I knew that I'd be scrolling my phone, reading Twitter, kind of looking up every time there was a big bump and kind of shrugging my shoulders mm-hmm. and going back to scrolling through Twitter again. And that's what it is. Like ladder matches, like people really have to start thinking hard about what they do in ladder matches and maybe go back to applying a little bit of psychology to them and just do something different because there's nothing impressive about them anymore. And the, 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 the higher the ladder you jump off and the bigger the bump you take, I'm just going to shrug my shoulders and I'm not going to care. 
I always thought a real watershed moment in ladder matches was when Shawn Michaels and Jericho had that absolutely incredible, I went five stars on it at the time, ladder match to culminate my favourite feud in wrestling ever between the two of them in 2008. And it was a ladder match based entirely around psychology and around the psychology of the feud. And there were no crazy bumps. I think there was one where Jericho lost his tooth right at the end, but it was built to. And the rest of the match was brutal. It was visceral. It was horrible. And you're like, okay, this is a different style of ladder match. And I can't remember WWE doing another ladder match like that since. And to me, that shows the absolute intelligence of the guys in Jericho, especially, and Michaels, and understanding that. But I think one of the problems is WWE not using ladder matches as part of proper feuds. They throw these ladder matches out there as spot-based matches where they give the guys this sort of like... um, Hey, man, here's the pep talk backstage before the show with Triple H. You guys tonight could prove yourselves. And they all get on there like, I don't know, listen to the Triple H Kool-Aid and think of the pat on the back they might get from Triple H around the back afterwards after killing themselves. So they set it up for these spots with this empty promise at the end of it. Mm. And who has gotten over big time as a result of their performance in a ladder match? The last person I remember is Edge in that Money in the Bank match in 2005. Mate, you could argue Shelton Benjamin got over a little bit for a couple of years on the back of those Money in the Bank matches. But really, it's been 15 years since anyone properly got over and got a push as a result of what they did in a ladder match like this. I wish these marks that populate NXT UK and are so obsessed with the year 2000 could evaluate that for a second and actually consider that. Because what they did tonight was just stupid. And it was a match for the sake of it. Mm. Absolutely. Rather than a match for any reason. And like I think actually Money in the Bank is a big reason why the ladder matches are dead. Because it became an annual event where the idea of the match was let's do spectacular stuff. Instead of, as you said, two guys who really hate each other. Or, or for some reason, like... You know, like the original ladder match was Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. And like there was a storyline reason for that, where there were two championships that they both had. So they hung the belt up and the first guy to get at least it made sense. And there was a reason to hang a belt above the ring and fight over it. Whereas now it's 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 the idea of it is go out and have a four and a half star match and do loads of stunts yeah. and impress people. That's weird. And, as and well, the hatred that, has gone from them. That first Money in the Bank match. You had the Edge and Benoit feud. You had the Christian and Jericho feud. You had feuds going on in the match. You had Shelton Benjamin getting himself over with the insane stuff and him getting all the insane spots. And Edge, Benoit, Jericho getting all the story-based spots. But this is, in this thing, I just said Edge, Benoit, Jericho, and Christian. You've got four great wrestlers, four veterans, four intelligent wrestlers there that understand this. I, I think when you look at these guys... There's ability in there, but I don't think they've got that same kind of level of sort of conceptual understanding of their position and wrestling and what it is. And it's such a shame because I think they've come into the industry in such a different way where WWE is the goal and they can't look at WWE objectively. That's the thing I think is blinding them ultimately. Mm. That's it. And you look at like, even like a a Zach Gibson in this match, who I would probably historically have said might be the exception to kind of that rule who maybe thinks a bit outside the box and is his own man like i don't know like 
he should he's another one should should have been he was ready to be the top guy in the indies but ready to be the top guy in progress he's now in wwe and you don't think about him he's cutting promos before this show about the wwe universe rather than cutting those nasty promos that you can still occasionally see him yep. doing an ott show or a fight club pro show but like those days are long gone so even like yeah someone like that who could be somebody who maybe approaches wrestling a bit different and somebody you like just from watching in this match you can tell him and james drake hate this match like hate this spotty style it's just it's not them but they're thrown in, you know, Marcel Barthel, he's probably in the same boat. He's not the type of wrestler who fits this thing. But at the end of the day, there's just a collection of bodies in there to put Gallus over. And that's all this was. The NXT UK tag division exists to have multi-man matches. Mm. Not just one of them. Not like here's a feud between two teams. It's always multi-man. It's, 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 it's the complete tropes. Yeah. And in fairness, the three-way on the last takeover was very good. This, though, yeah, nowhere near. Really. Yeah. In, in that range, but yeah. Uh, All I'll one. say oh, is cool. imagine the pat on the back that they're going to get from Triple H around the back <laughs> where their ego is going to be tonight. It's going to be, you know, those fans who like a chat with a wrestler at a merch table. Imagine a wrestler's equivalent of that <laughs> ego boost. They're going to get that when they feel that big hand of Triple H on that back tonight, <laughs> arm around the shoulder. And maybe they'll get their mark pick as well that will get posted on Twitter to show what a nice, great, caring guy Triple H is. <laughs> Might let them hold the sledgehammer for a bit as well. They're lucky. Oh, yeah. They'll pay the mortgage. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, we're about to talk some more on uh, coffee action. But before that, we did see uh, Rich Holland in the crowd. Uh, uh, <laughs> unbelievably, uh, Luke Menzies, who was actually on the British Audio Wrestling, our, our previous show, did an interview with Martin Bushby. Came across as a, a nice chat with his head screwed on. Uh, what do we make of this gimmick, JP? I feel like they've stolen your life story here. I think he's uh, <laughs> it, it, JP hat. And they've gone, yeah, Luke, this is it. This is your gimmick. It's not. Do you know what? It felt like the, the gimmick equivalent of that Peaky Blinders bar that you took me to in Liverpool before. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is, this is actually a thing, is it? This isn't like, you know, there isn't like some sort of wacky joke going on. <laughs> you clean it's, up in there. I saw it. Who did he have? I'm trying to think of who he had his match against. I did watch it when he debuted. remember see, seeing his match. And it's... Well, oh, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of Peaky Blinders, so therefore, like my, I quite like rugby league. So I have more time for him as a league player. That's completely written out of the way because they changed his name. Yeah. So it's it doesn't so like the it doesn't make any sense other than somebody who likes Peaky Blinders, and they're really running out of people to wave in that front row in between matches now. Because his name's kind of got some value to it. I think it reminds me of when uh, they brought in Monty Brown, who's like a Super Bowl winner, and they just called him Marcus Corvon and pretended he wasn't Monty Brown just to have a go at yep. TNA. Like, you think, you'd, yeah, there's some mileage in that, isn't it? You don't really need to give him a new gimmick. You could have done something. I don't know. Odd. Speaking of speaking of the Peaky Blinders bollocks, um, and the show I don't like, overrated, style over substance, not for me. Uh, did you notice, or do you, you guys didn't mention that awful promo Pete Dunne did in that video package at the start? Oh, we did mention, yeah, that him and um, Tyler doing the voiceover, that was bad. Oh my God, and that cut that close of a Pete Dunne at the end, Jesus Christ, awful, cringe stuff. Yeah, not, not, not the... Uh... Not exactly the Sean Ryan video, was it? Uh, he should have said, fellow Marks, go and mark out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Good effect. Uh, but yeah, speaking of which, next up we had the main event, the uh, <laughs> <much> <laughs> anticipated Joe Coffey story coming to an end. Uh, we've all been waiting for this for, for a year, guys, yeah? Um, yeah, th- we knew they were going long because it kind of got 
well, I think before the, when these two were coming through to the ring, it looked like there was maybe 80 minutes left. And I was thinking, oh my God, are they going an hour? Apparently they only went half an hour, which was a shock to me. I was expecting the time on this one to be about 40 minutes. I'm convinced the uh, cage match must be wrong, but yeah, that music hit again. Coffee came out. Walter came out. Walter did a lot of powdering. There was a lot of interference. You know, Walter, that, that guy you uh, got pinned in about 30 seconds at the Survivor Series. Not that, not that, uh, that walking final boss that he was on the Indies. Yeah, they had a match. It was, you know, Joe Coffey is not, he's a professional wrestler. He's fine. He's a solid big card act. They went out there and they had a three star match. Like for me, that's not a main event. I can, I think Joe Coffey is like somebody who, like we said earlier, the road agents backstage and Sean and Trips, he is as someone who's a worker's worker who does all the little things right. But my God, does that not make him interesting? This was a match where, you know, you mentioned before, changing about struggling to keep your, your eye on the screen in the ladder match. This was a match where I was in the same boat, you know, after a, a couple of minutes of trying to watch this thing, you, your mind starts wandering and your fingers start wandering and you find yourself on Twitter rather than watching the thing. I had to keep slapping myself and, and paying attention again. That shouldn't be the case in a main event. That shouldn't be the case in a main event Walter match. For no. me, I put the blame on Joe Coffey, but I don't know. Walter and NXT in general has not been the Walter I remember. Uh, and maybe that's a problem too. I don't know. If you want to go first, James, the, uh, what did you make of this uh, epic main event? <laughs> yeah, and I made an absolute fool of myself a few days ago on Twitter because I, I, I had the hot take that I thought that this match would be better than people were saying it was going to be. And I foolishly thought <laughs> that Walter, one of the best wrestlers in the world, like there's a Walter formula that we saw for years and years on the Indies. Mm-hmm. And all you had to do, you could plug any wrestler into the Walter formula and he could have at minimum a four star. Like in 2018, he was having four star matches with everyone just by plugging people into his formula and having his match. And it was amazing. Um, and for some reason, NXT UK have decided to veer away from that formula. Like this guy when he's used properly, comes across as the most dominant wrestler on the planet. And it's simple. And like, that's usually one of the things that WWE are actually good at is portraying a monster and having the unbeatable monster until the baby face comes and beats them. That's what their bread and butter was going back to the 80s. But for some reason, they've decided that instead of that, he's going to have this faction and he's going to be a cowardly heel. And for some reason, he needs the heels to run in in this match and help him against Joe Coffey. And yes, people will say, well, wasn't he in Ring Camp on the Indies? But but Ring Camp was a totally different thing where they were always about the spirit of competition and it wasn't about interfering in each other's matches. It was about people being in a faction together to bring the best out of each other and they would happily wrestle each other if they had to. But this is your typical cowardly heel WWE faction where they run in when there's a ref bump and it just makes Walter look weak. You know what I mean? Like it's, Ah, okay. and, and the match itself too long like I think the sweet spot for Walter is about a 20 minute match I think you give him 20 minutes and he can have a great match and in the right circumstances he can go 30 minutes and have a really great match but there's no need for him to be having these matches there's no need for Joe Coffey to be pushing Walter to the limit there's no reason for Joe Coffey to be getting a visual pin on Walter which like and again I keep I'm going to bore people by comparing back to OTT remember the visual pin where when David Starr wrestled Walter and he couldn't even get that visual pin Walter kicks out when there's no referee after two and that's that's the difference like they're just going through their normal tropes here where we have to keep Joe Coffey why do you have to keep Joe Coffey looking strong 
Why does Joe Coffey have to get a visual pin on your champion of all people? There's no need to do that. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Like they, they, they like I love a little bit of limb selling or, or when somebody works a limb in a match. They just threw a knee injury into the middle of this match for five or ten minutes and then completely forgot about it. You know, and it's like you just did that to pass ten minutes because. Joe Coffey isn't good enough to, to do go 30 minutes with somebody. You know what I mean? The whole thing was just mm. bang average. Um, and yeah, I, I, like, I think, again, I can't, did I give it three stars even? I don't remember. But like, just as you said, you, you're paying it half attention. It's not holding your interest. You know what I mean? And like, these, these guys only do two big shows a year, I keep saying. Surely to God, they could have a match that would keep your interest when you have the main event of it. You know, so I'm sure... Joe and JP will disagree heartily <laughs> with all that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Certainly match the year. Oh, I, um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll build up to Joe's, Joe's uh, thinking on this one. <laughs> this was watching this. Um, I, it was, it was kind of incredible because I have to say, I hated the Pete Dunn match so much that it was better than that. And that's possibly mm. the big positive to take from this. Like, it was. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, and that's a terrible attitude to come into the main event <laughs> of, a, of a show with. So, like, you kind of think that's the issue on this. In some ways, I was watching it, and it was just like coffee, just constant kicks and punches, uh, constantly. It was like almost to the point of like what uh, Scott Steiner in that match at the Royal Rumble with Triple H just throwing belly to bellies the whole time. <laughs> That's how it felt watching Coffee watch not really doing necessarily any moves. And and it was, it was just like, it's the most generic of kind of big man stuff. And I have to agree with you, like water being made to look weak, whereas mm. the whole idea is meant to obviously be like, you know, the, the entire stable is has become a generic heel stable. Whereas originally it was about people who've got a respect for the ring, just taking on the ring camp from giving it an, an, a newer dafter name. So it just felt like a waste of water for it. When Walt was on f- offense, it just looked so much better because he was just so much um, able to sort of maneuver from move to move so quickly. When, when coffee was on, I thought his best moments of the match were the opening couple of minutes with those tackles that would be pretty from there for me. It was just like, Oh, it was starting to just go downhill. I was, it's going to sound like a weird reference. I felt like Tommy Tiernan in, um, in, uh, the father Ted episode when he's the priest sat at the back of the bus, listening to exit music from a film. (laughs) Just like watching this while this went on is there's, there's a kind of bleakness to this. Don't it's not, I don't know why it might be the European art house kind of moods to it, but there's a very much a bleakness to watching this. It's like almost performing art, art of, we've got these other matches we could have. We're not going to give you that. We're going to give you one that you're going to really dislike. Why? Because it's going to test how much you really like this. It just seems like an unnecessary, cruel thing to do to an audience. Um, it's over. I think I went three and a quarter. Must have just been, you know, <laughs> at that point. Three and a half. Uh, what, for that one? Yeah, you were the high man on this one. Is that just because uh, it's I over, JP? Did you add the extra quarter? <laughs> I think I'm really <laughs> down three and a quarter okay. from that point. I just assume I was off my box at that stage, trying to kind of jump <laughs> the pain of what it was. It's, it's not the worst match you'll ever see, but a main event. And the comparison we brought up and grappled a couple of times, it's kind of what, like, the uh, Matt Taven main events for Ring of Honor you can give them three stars, kind of max. 
but that's your fucking main event. You should never be doing that. Yeah, and you got the thing is with this, it's half hour. Yeah, I went yeah. three point two five. That's fine for an AEW TV match. That's fine for an undercard yeah. match that goes about twelve minutes or something. This is a Walter main event on a supposed big show. That's not good enough. No. I would describe this as the best Joe Coffee match I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And I would say this is the second worst Walter match I've ever seen. The worst is against Big Damo in Rev Pro. It was <laughs> fucking awful. And Big Damo's a guy that they seem high on in WWE as well. So watch this space for that. I can see Walter versus Big Damo being a match in store for the future. Now, I just thought to myself, all right, there's some stuff that has made Joe Coffee look all right at the expense of one of the best wrestlers in the world on his day. And look at the year, the last couple of years Walter has had. I can't think of a match during Walter's hot streak that has been anywhere near as bad as what this was. It was just kind of boring. At all the tropes, all mm. the other books, sh- shite. What I'll say for Walter is... Him falling off the ropes again? Yeah. Walter is my absolute favourite wrestler as an overall package in NXT UK because he doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. He clearly doesn't really give a shit about the company. And he's just taking the money and running while he can. And I think they are kind of aware of that, which is why they book him or have started booking him how they do at the end of the day. Because... I don't think he's someone who's going to be around forever and it's just going to do what he does maybe for another year, possibly. And good on him for betting on himself, back at himself, getting himself in a good position and more the full WWE for booking him in main events and wasting him against the likes of Joe Coffey, <laughs> who is about average or below average, even as average gets. If you listen to the Grapple Spotlight, I went through tiers of wrestlers last week. I would put Joe Coffey in about tier four. I think he's bad. I can't think of... League two. I'm talking conference, pushing for promotion, like a Cheltenham type. Maybe pushing for promotion, conference, League two. Maybe a bit of of a bouncy team, you know, comes up, comes down. That sort of side. Yeah, he's he's rubbish. He's absolute rubbish. (laughs) I've watched matches he had in ICW. He may have had the Hydro. That's a tangle match. Ah, oh, one of the apart from the Baron Corbin match that we had to suffer through last year, possibly the worst Kurt Angle match ever seen. Uh, just, just bad stuff. Just bad, bad stuff. But poor wrestler. Ah, oh, people think he's people backstage think he's good. Yet yeah, people backstage give you pats on the back and give you false promises and make out that this is all great and you believe that as well. It's just a promotion that I, I hope ceases to exist at some point. Yeah, all right, people get contracts and they get to have a decent living out of it i sort of get that from you know a consistent money standpoint but at the end of the day i'm bitter because this promotion is a placeholder wrestling company that came here and did exactly what we said they were going to do when we looked at this from the start it's it was 1983 and it was Vince raiding the AWA, and they said they got so much fucking money, they started this shit placeholder wrestling company, realised that all of the wrestlers are fucking marks, and they they hypnotised them with their Scientology-like fucking hypnotic powers, if anything. (laughs) 
Triple H and the David Miscavige role yeah. has really done a job on this scene. I can picture Sid to... Scala singing like in that music video from Going Clear uh, where all the Scientologists are singing. Which yeah. is a great Scientology documentary by uh, by HBO, which uh, Alex Gibney, isn't it? Yeah. Which I, I thoroughly recommend if you want something good to watch after having to watch this shit show. With a- <laughs> Um, yeah, just a, a shit main event that I'll never think about in my life again. And if I do, I'll just sigh. And Gallus, wow, yes. just ah, oh, unbelievable. That was one Ogden chant. I was, uh, Ogden chant. I was hoping to hear who was the Gallus. Who the fuck are Gallus? Gallus, brilliant. Uh, disappointed the lads for that one. Not belting out, but yeah, I think that says everything about this pay per view. That like. You can't, you can't build your brand around Babyface Coffee Brothers. You can't build your, your brand around the Babyface Wolfgang or, you know, whatever they are. I think they were technically tweeners and they made Coffee the Face for the feud, whatever. Like, I'll always remember, remember, Day Owen does the Lord's work putting out NXT UK spoilers, uh, for the, for the TV tapings. I don't know why he does it, but he does it. And I just remember those, uh, those initial tapings when it looked like they were headed towards this and it was going to be Walter versus Joe Coffee. And he guaranteed for everyone that there's no way now they're not going for, for Walter and Joe Coffee. Calm down, everyone, because it really did seem so unlikely that they were going to go back to Joe Coffee on top, that they were going to push Gallus to this extent. But fuck me, it's happened, and this is the result of it. Uh, yeah, and I think you know it, it absolutely says everything as well. But you know, I will say to his credit, Joe Coffee got the crowd behind them. You know, a fair amount in the crowd. I imagine there were a lot of Scots there. But as soon as the proper stars came out, as soon as the undisputed era rushed the ring. And took out uh, Imperium. You found out that's what a real babyface reaction is like. That's what. That's what. The, that's what. The, that, that's when you, you what who the real stars were. It's the stars from the actual NXT, not this League Two NXT UK bollocks. And almost as uh, immediately uh, as anything, the crowd just immediately turned on NXT UK and were cheering along for the uh, NXT US lads. So, yeah, if they were expecting, uh, I don't know, some kind of uh, America versus UK thing that they're trying to do for this world collide show to to end up with the uh, the hardcore NXT UK fans to be supporting their lads, wasn't happening. It shows you the, the level of uh, emotional attachment. Even the people in that building who are willing to pay to go to a takeover have for NXT UK. That's how low down it is on the Pope Totem Pole. As soon as those real stars came out, those uh, those fans turn like the uh, the infidels. Uh, the commentary team will pretend the uh, OTT fans are Jamesy. Yeah, and did you see the gotten to tweet from NXT UK's oh, Twitter? That was brilliant. They've left Briley in charge. That was of the definitely Briley. It was definitely <laughs> Briley. What, what's happened? There was a there was a, a, the NXT UK Twitter put up a clip of the crowd going crazy when when Undisputed Era kind of attacked Walter and all hit their finishers on him or whatever they did at the end, and it was kind of a gotten to what what did it say, Ben? It was something like. Um, Oh, we I can't gave, believe we, after I was giving you that oh, yes. epic show, something like that. I can't believe you turn on us like this. Yeah, exactly. Hugh Riley. Of, yeah, act, act, act and gotten to that. They cheered when I did. They really think that that would get booed. Like, is that what they thought would happen? Mm-hmm. But when actual TV stars came out and attacked these these indie guys, that that <laughs> they, uh, did they uh, did they honestly think it would get a heel reaction? Though I think they did. You know that I think they're so naive and so stuck in their own bubble that they thought that would get booed. 
They thought this was a heel invasion. Like, do you know the way all the rhetoric on, on that on that um, Sean Ryan video is? This is your NXT. Yeah, I honestly, I honestly thought your they brand. Thought we are, and I thought that they they thought they would get a tribal response from this the fans where they would. Yeah, they, I think they thought they'd get a tribal response where they'd boo them like the way the ROH fans would have booed, say, CZW if they'd invaded. Like, but how naive and how stupid can you be? Like, if that's what you think, because like this, just the, and the fact that Walter was the guy they attacked in the ring. Like, why couldn't that have been Alexander Wolf? Like, why does your champion? I think that goes back to what you said, Joe, that they know deep down that Walter is fairly kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. And I think they, they don't want him to be too much of a star and they want to kind of almost keep him down a little bit. Hence him being pinned so quickly in Survivor Series and hence him being the guy getting beaten down in, in the ring because surely Alexander Wolf is the guy to beat down if that's what you want to do and keep, keep your champion properly strong. You know what I mean? So it's like they kind of feel like they have to have Walter as champion but they don't want to build him up into a huge star because they honestly don't know if Walter's going to be there in a year or two's time, you know? Are we all hyped Absolutely. For Worlds Collide, uh, Undisputed Era versus Imperium, Finn Balor versus Ilya Dragunov, Rhea Ripley versus Tony Storm. Yeah. That's the Saturday Night Rumble, apparently. Yeah. This is where we get to. That That's the prevailing message at the end of the show, is that that's the important thing and that you need to stay tuned in on. Yeah. Not who's going to challenge next. Uh, not not who you're going to build up for having up against Walter next necessarily. Also, I think as well, to follow on that point, the idea of putting him in this feud, you can have him lose a lot of times, can't you? So, you know, it, it seems to fulfill everything in, in that sense. But yeah, it was it was just when it had happened, I think we just started laughing. At that <laughs> oh, yeah. It just seemed like the natural. It was like, of course you were going to do Worlds it. collide. Yeah. I'm just hearing now. And you know what? Worlds have been colliding constantly because they constantly bring these guys over for worlds to collide at full sail. So it's nothing special they're putting in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anything more on NXT UK? I've got some breaking news here. I'm going to break to you in a second, guys. Uh, non NXT UK related. But anything else you wanted to uh, get off your chest yeah. uh, before we do? Yeah, that this is our brand bollocks. Remember what I was saying about <laughs> Scientology on, stuff? Just another weird mm. extension of that. Yeah. They're even using the word brand. This is our brand. brand yeah. What it's Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews brand, so that they can attach to while they just become marks for their own fucking contracts. That's basically what it's saying. Yeah. And, have you ever heard anyone use the phrase this is our brand in real life would anyone ever refer to something as a brand unless you're you're stepping up at man and you're working in corporate like what that's I, i've like discovered over the years isn't it? yeah I, i've discovered over the years that i've been pretty loyal to the heinz ketchup brand and specifically <laughs> heinz i'm not shouting we are heinz I'm, yeah exactly i'm not like we are heinz and certainly heinz uk you know, it's an interesting. I always drink Lavazza coffee, but I don't say like, "Let's make a cup of Lavazza." Yeah, I don't yeah. like my kids. They know they like Heinz, but they don't necessarily ask for Heinz necessarily. If they certainly start coming out of brand, it's like I'm gonna have to buy stuff just to fucking spite you now. Do you find the now, ketchup so. makes a difference when you don't have Heinz? I, yeah, I, I, it, it does if you shop in Aldi. I, I have Aldi like, ketchup. Yeah. I don't really find the teenagers they're funny yeah, about yeah. it what can yeah. i say um i was gonna say not sure i've been brought up early on this show would have obviously worked in glasgow blackpool um is it what was it i saw someone make a comment about how special blackpool is to like the birth it's a fucking the birthplace of, of nxt it's UK. An absolute 
dumb. <laughs> I saw Will Cooling having a go at it, and Will Cooling's from Wolverhampton. So if Will Cooling's having a go at a townland, fifty-sixth out of fifty-seventh, I think, in in Britain's worst cities, Wolverhampton. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Having been to the two. Blackpool. Is Blackpool 57? <laughs> I don't think it is. Because I think as far as places I've been in the UK, I've been to many places and they're the bottom two. Wow. Yeah, James, have you been to Blackpool? No. Mate, Probably never will, honestly. Stuck in the 70s. If you like a stick of rock, a bit of fish and chips, and a gold 2P machine in an arcade, <laughs> and a girl on a really bad roller coaster, get down there. <laughs> I, I can go to Tremor and Waterford and do all that so it's grand That's, and you've got the races as well in Tremor exactly so. exactly and it's relatively scenic as well I'll, I'll never forget JP I was being in Blackpool for that PCW show and was going to that, <laughs> uh, that Irish pub and they had like a British phone box in there and all other kinds yeah. of alleged Irish paraphernalia on the wall. I've never seen you that so disgusted. I mean, maybe I just showed it, you the bad side of Blackpool because I don't, I don't hate Blackpool I enjoy the arcades I like it for what it is it's the side of Blackpool that, admittedly, I wanted to see, and by <laughs> God, I saw it. Um, I was thinking during that, I wonder what some of these lot are making. I wonder what Tom Phillips made of a night in Blackpool the night before. Um. Shawn Michaels out in Blackpool. Do you see uh, Walter oh. took, a, uh, took a photo on the tram tracks, uh, the site of a very famous scene in Coronation Street? Ah, oh, Rita's husband. Yeah. Alan yeah. Bradley. Yeah. I wasn't a lie, but I've seen the, like, the best was... <laughs> He was a bastard. That's the first. That's the first storyline I remember in soap operas. Yeah. Was was him being killed? <laughs> like a, a lot of men in, like a lot of men in Rita's life tend generally bastards. Or old reason. Yeah. So you got Blackpool's playing for something. Big big moments in Curry NXT UK takeovers. We'll be here next year. We'll be reviewing it again. We'll get you back, Joe. You'll be back, JP. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll do the yeah. same conversation again, and we'll get to see Mark Coffee on top probably next year. That'll, that'll be the long build. Ah. The long one year build. Jeez. Would Jackie Polo be brought in as well? <laughs> uh, more chance of Jackie Polo, mate. Uh, yeah. uh, but do, would you like to hear the, the huge breaking news that's just come through? Uh, it is Brit Rev related, so I think it's fair to to mention it. Uh, Pay Mike Johnson at PWInsider.com. Two-part story here. Marty Scale has signed a new deal with Ring of Honor. Oh, uh, for fuck's sake. Why? <laughs> more that, do you want to know why, Joe? The other part of the story is that as of this weekend, Marty Scale is taking on lead booking duties for Ring of Honor and Delirious <laughs> is stepping down to a different wow. This is real. I'm not making this up. It's all just broken as we've been recording. What the fuck? Why, why not? It's not like it's going to get any worse, is it? What the fuck? Everybody, everybody apologized to Robert. He's been saying that for about six yes. months that Marty Scale was going to stay with ROH. Yeah. And take the book. Yeah, I, I don't even know how you react to that. Like, is Marty Scale a great booking? Are the was he the man behind being the elite? It's like, like apparently, I mean, I know it was in the Observer this week that they'd offered because Meltzer did say that they'd offered a really big money deal to him. Maybe mm. that explains why the the money's so high because he's got more than one job and yeah, kind of. I think everybody expects them to wind up in AEW. I think we were all hoping. You know, maybe you get a couple of your call appearances while he was in this contract downtime. Apparently, the the new contract is going to allow for him to work NWA mm-hmm. still. Obviously, NWA have got a partnership with Ring of Honor with uh, with Aldis turning up at uh, ROH's show last night. But yeah, I can't really get my head around that one. That's just crazy. Yeah, bizarre. I, yeah, need some time. It's a to handy number. Is the only that. thing. 
What was that, Jim? Like they only it's a handy enough number. Like if he's on big mm. money, like they only do like thirty dates a year or something like that. So mm. and like you know the way Marty's gotten, he's not exactly killing himself in the ring anymore. Like so exactly. I, I do get it from that point of view. And he like I think he could still end up on a few your call shows. Like I don't think that particularly precludes him from going to Rep Pro. I think he could easily still show up. But like I still think he might be on the next um OTT stadium show. They like they book lots of, of ROH guys. They have Jeff Cobb the next day. They have Mark Haskins on a regular basis. So like being on an ROH contract doesn't stop you working in the UK or Ireland. So wouldn't be the worst news in the world. Maybe he can go the other way as well. He can get Andy Boy Simmons a job on Ring of Honor. Maybe maybe that could be the, uh, <laughs> the silver lining. Well, I was wondering, um, it seems it seems to me though that like it's it's kind of very much like the way Marty's kind of toned down his style and, and doesn't yeah. like sort of push it out. It's almost Kevin Nash esque, and was, him getting the book. Were <laughs> you just thinking yeah, the same? Yeah. It was like this is they could go full Kevin Nash here. Well, and kill the territory. <laughs> well, if, you get, if if in essence, if he's doing things, maybe he's just become very left wing and wants to bring down Sinclair somehow by by trying to wreck Ring of Honor for a bit. Perhaps David Starr's one of his key advisors, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it can't it can't be any worse under him than it was under Fekir Delirious, like because it was an absolute yeah. shambles under him. My my wonder with this as well, with him being very close with Quilden, does it bring Ring of Honor and Rev Pro close together? Does it try? Is it an extension to try and rebuild the Ring of Honor New Japan relationship mm. where things fractured with Delirious? Look, Delirious has needed to go forever. Yeah, he's he's a yeah. terrible. Yeah. Ask me. It's been stale. He doesn't apparently doesn't watch any wrestling outside of Ring of Honor. Um, I've heard several stories before about how he didn't even know Marty and Will Ospreay were before they, he was recommended them. So, <laughs> you know, this has been a long time coming for Delirious, if you ask me. But yeah, really surprising story. Yeah, well, I'm one, but yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in a couple of weeks, James. When Martin's back, and yeah, I'm sure we'll be talking this yeah, one yeah. on uh, on Grapple uh, as it develops. Uh, we got quite a bit of feedback from the uh, the post forum. Joe JP, do you want to head out? Do you want to hang around? Up to you guys. I'm all right. Yeah, but, stay around. Right, I'll run through it. If you uh, want to have us, Benno. Always, mate. Always <laughs> welcome. Uh, up first, uh, Benny Ude, a regular on the post forum, says, had no interest in watching this show. <laughs> I went to take over Cardiff, but I haven't watched any of the UK shows since. He says he wanted to watch Tyler and, and Devlin, though, and my God, what a match. He says, early contender for match of the year. Uh, I'm the high man on that one, but no, I don't think I could, uh, I could go far, go that, quite that far on that one. Uh, next up, Jesse from the Six. Uh, he says that Devil and Bait lived up to the considerable hype and that Coffee versus Walter was a good match, but about as awkward as you expect as a heel versus heel match with Joe Coffee in the de facto babyface role to be. Uh, he puts over the ref though, uh, and says it was one of the greatest ref bumps he's ever seen. To be fair, like that, that bump from that Walter drop kick was something else. Uh, quite impressive. Uh, he also puts there was a better one in OTT though, just to continue <laughs> my team of comparing everything. Very true. Very Foxy, true. Foxy, Foxy, Foxy takes an, an awesome bump, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe, didn't their task take a similar bump in WXW before? I saw a gif of that somewhere. Uh, yeah, still impressive though. Uh, he also says his highlight of the night was the crowd chanting VAR. Uh, he says as a North American football fan, uh, the UK cr- crowds are always uh, entertaining to him. Uh, did you all see uh, Triple H uh, made a comment about VAR, something like we don't have VAR in wrestling? He's got his ear to the ground, his trip, so yeah, he knows his stuff. <laughs> He's a West Ham fan, isn't he? He's a West Ham, isn't he? Is he? 
He there was something about him. He he posed with was it Andy Carroll? He posed with at one point with a West Ham jersey. <laughs> him and David Cameron. Oh no, he's Villa, isn't he? <laughs> he mixed is them he, up, didn't he, Cameron? He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon he was at the away end at that Sheffield United game on the Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Furious about VAR at the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Martin fan is Triple H. He yeah. probably loved the Bobby Moore and Jeff Hurst comparison. What were them being West Ham? Uh, that's Given my feelings about Declan Rice as well. Doing. He, yeah. he was brown nose and Triple H <laughs> by, by bringing, up, bringing up West Ham greats. That's what it was. Yeah. yeah. I have a good point, actually. Like, what, what do we think on that as a side note? Uh, what should we do on VAR next year? I reckon keep it. Needs tweaking now. I'm not one of them abolish it, lads. Fuck it off. Hate it. Oh, okay. I, but it's never going to happen, and I'm not about regression, uh, i.e. Brexit. Worst move ever made as a country, as I've said a million times. So abolishing it probably won't happen. So yeah, it needs some serious fucking work. Yeah, the the marginal type of decisions, like yeah. in terms of of offsides in particular, um, they're awful. I was at Arsenal Crystal Palace when there was v, the VAR when Arsenal had scored a goal to go three two up. I mean disallowed, and they weren't even showing out on the screens. I was using Twitter to find out what had happened. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Yeah. How about you, James? What do you reckon? It's not really same a, as. Has it, has it helped Man United this year? It's more Liverpool that team to get the get all the fucking Liverpool, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's it's. Um, do you remember when they had it in the World Cup and it was fine because it was the referee yes. was yes. looking more at the screen himself. That's all and you they need. Have, That's all they you have need. the power to do that in the Premier League, and they don't seem to want to do it because they, 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 I think they're afraid they'll still get it wrong or something like that. So they're they're advised not to do it up. by the people yeah. who make the rules. Okay, is that what it is? is? We, like, we, we know someone who's a, who's an FA referee and he's ah, told us that okay. it's actually something they could get in trouble with with UEFA because right. they don't they allow the VAR official to actually make the decision on behalf of the referee. They're doing it in the Bundesliga though. They're checking the monitor a lot in the Bundesliga. Yeah. So. yeah. It's just it's bizarre that UEFA the organization. It's that David Ellery British Rules Committee, which oh, unlike okay. Ian Holloway when he was talking about, you know, European if, if influence ruining football. But he's just he's right. just signed as Grimsby manager, and he big Brexit town is Grimsby, so you know. <laughs> Suits very negotiated his contract over fish and chips. Nice. Lovely Brexit meal for a Brexit here. I like fish and chips, but you know. Do you reckon that's where Regal and Smallman uh, put the booking together for this show in a nice little chippy in Blackpool? Sat there, greasy spoon, sorting the show out. Jim is a uh, Jim's cool. Jim's down with the kids, and he's trying to stay more relevant over time with his cool trainers, his cool tattoos, and he's now vegan because all the cool guys are vegan. And I'm a vegan, yeah. I, I like them. I don't drink latte. I've just seen Burger King do a vegan burger. Well, that's probably not. A... I'll stop doing my Jim story. But no, because he's vegan, he's got to go to a cool vegan cafe. Look, Joe, I'm doing vegan January. I feel very attacked. It's going well. Greg's vegan steak bait was good. Yeah, but you're not trying to be cool. Jim Smallman is doing it because he thinks it gives him some cool kudos as he gets older. There you go, down with the kids. So he's gonna he'll he'll get rid of that backwards baseball cap. Give him a few more months with the uh, NXT UK job. I will be seeing Jim in a suit uh, sometime soon. Uh, anyway, back to the feedback. We digress. Uh, Martin Bentley, a friend of the show, says uh, solid show, if not exactly memorable long term, which is kind of NXT UK to a T. Says that for him, Bates Evans, an early frontrunner for the WWE Match of the Year. Um, 
I made a few people saying things like that, but he does say it wouldn't have stood out at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, which I think you can say the least. And he does say the crowd took away from it a bit, which is something we touched on. Uh, for him, uh, it being Martin Bentley, says the women's three-way was a big improvement on Cardiff, and hopefully this should now be it for Tony Storm on NXT UK. She's long outgrew it. He does note that the razor's edge to the outside was very dangerous, considering the sad news about La Parker. I didn't really put that two and two together there. Obviously, you know, sad to hear he's... Uh, he, he died today. Um, I did notice uh, L.A. Park has pretty much spent the day retweeting people, pointing out that they're not the same man. Uh, that's a side note to that story today, but it doesn't take away from the uh, the sadness of it. But, you know, considering, I suppose considering the circumstances that L.A., uh, sorry, La Parker, almost did it myself, La Parker died, you know, complications off a dive, should be no more care. I mean, it was, you know, we all said it was kind of a throwaway match. A lot of margin for error on that spot for uh, for such a big throwaway. I feel WWE is so rehearsed and so kind of planned in advance that if anyone's going to do a big bump like that, you kind of trust them to do it safely. That's the one thing, like they are big on safety and that kind of thing. So if it was on an indie where it was a guy doing the match recklessly throw, you kind of think, God, that's a bit much. Like when it's done in this kind of environment where they've probably done that throw onto mats like 20 times before the, before the show even started, I feel like you kind of give them more of a pass than anyone else. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. And you know, I thought it was maybe more dangerous just because the guy catching wasn't facing. But mm-hmm. it did. Yeah, like you said, that is the spot we're all remembering from the match as well, isn't it? I suppose that's the uh, the counterpoint there. But yeah, to finish Martin's feedback on the forum, he just say there as far as the main event goes, he wasn't bored out of his mind for it, like a fear going in. Um but he didn't think coffee was believable as any kind of threat for Walter, and it seemed that the yeah. live crowd felt similar. I think we'd all uh, share that criticism there. There wasn't there wasn't a moment in that match, was it, where it felt like there was a chance that uh, that Joe Coffee was gonna win. Uh, no, he's spam. Yeah. So going on, he says, uh, it's amazing the number of he's done on Walter, where he wouldn't even stay down for a visual pin, and now he's forever having guns, uh, goons running for him. And he does say uh, that the way the NXT UK social media responded to the Undisputed Era running was very Briley-esque. Good lad, Mark. <laughs> uh, he gave it 7 out of 10. Said he didn't regret lo- watching it, but it's nothing to think about long term. I kind of feel the same way. I thought I enjoyed the first three matches as throwaway as they were. Um, the ladder match was hilarious. It was only really the main event I hated, but I don't know. Maybe I'd go six out of 10 rather than seven out of 10. Uh, up next, Dylan Shaw, uh, another friend of the show says he thought the show was fine, but it lacked the specialness of a takeover. There was no special signees they could have uh, brought in. Uh, maybe one or two NXT names that, NXT names that have been drafted to NXT UK. Uh, I mean, was there anyone anyone was expecting to be in the crowd? Like, I couldn't. I don't think there's anyone else, one, that they could sign or, or two that I'd want them to sign, but I don't know. Maybe any drafts over from NXT proper, anyone you guys can think of? I wonder whether or not you bring in a Jack Gallagher. Hmm. Yeah, like, surprised but, they haven't done that already, to be honest. I know he, he did the odd, yeah. he did a couple of shows near the start. Um, you'd expect he might have been a permanent fixture. Yeah, you'd think so, but really there isn't. Who else is out there? That's that's the issue, isn't it? Um, well, I imagine if they get a look at Lucas Steele out in all Japan, they'll get him on the radar soon enough because oh. he looks very much Apparently what they everyone's mind. Loving. He was great. Was he? Yeah. He was very, he was like in terms of charisma and actually looking the part, building up athletic as well. He looked, it's like they booked him perfectly in the matches. 
that he looked really believable, and I could see eventually getting there with Kento Miyahara, and he looked like a million dollars. Proper beastly fucker, that lad, isn't it? Oh, he is, yeah. yeah. Like I did the one to watch for Fighting Spirit mag back when that was around. Uh, R.I.P. James E. But you know, when uh, when I wrote that, I, he wasn't really a name I was familiar with, and I watched some of his matches from the likes of North, and kind of got a bit of background on him. And he seems to like a he's very much in with that, you know, Nathan Cruz, Alex Shane lot, where they're doing a lot of family mm. camp shows, but you know, other than say a WrestleGate. You're not really seeing him on anywhere, you know, like a, you know, he wasn't ever turning up on Rev Pro World Progress. Um, but yeah, from, from the people who've seen him and from the, I, I think I had a couple of other podcasts talking about it that he's, uh, he's actually doing quite well out there. So that's, uh, that's an interesting left field one to, uh, to get a tour out in Japan. Yeah, it is. They've gone out there with a few. I can go on about these all day because I've got Danny Jones out there as well. But I wonder whether it was a Joel Redmond contact got him in from. Yeah, I think they've got oh, someone in the camps. I think yeah. they've got someone in the camps who is uh, sort of a link between the two, definitely. Sam Adonis, I know, has done camps and has done a lot of All Japan, so I wonder if he's the link. Uh, well, he had a lot of All Japan guys on those WrestleGate shows as well, didn't he? So it's mm. probably yeah. better as Shuji well. Shuji Shikawa yeah. and a few more, yeah. That's it, yeah. But, we, uh, we might get Suwama versus Shaikel Sham in All <laughs> Japan. I'm, I'm up for it. We'll make the trip, Shake, if that happens. NXT UK, I think he'd really fit the product, to be honest with you, but... Yeah, yeah. Big, it's NXT UK, and you could imagine like the, the the vignettes and stuff. You could imagine him backstage cutting great videos with like uh, flashy cars and stuff. I think that'd really work. Uh, instead, he was uh, down the road in a nightclub working for PCW's Takeo. Uh, sorry, Overtake events uh, today. <laughs> it's a brilliant name, isn't it, Jamesy? Got a simple <laughs> but to the point. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the Ogdens were there as well, were they? They were both on double duty today, yeah. That's the stuff. <laughs> uh, just to wrap up on Dylan, then uh, he goes on to say the main event was okay, but not the best match on the card. In the end, they made it look like Walter would be mid-card or NXT main roster. I agree with that. And he just says he was uh, happy to see some bill for Wales to collide, but he thinks that this show is something, not something that would make him buy a ticket for NXT UK tape. I'm in that same boat. Uh, moving on to Conor, Conor Rolo. He says, overall, he thought it was a good show. Uh, he really liked the finish to the opener, but other than that, it's pretty forgetful. Puts over the women's matches uh, far better than expected. They're looking forward to more interactions with Kaylee Ray and, uh, and Piper Niven in future. Just uh, loads of ITV to sport, mate. You can see that there. Uh, he says, uh, Tyler and Evelyn was fantastic as, as expected. And he's sure we all agree. Well, we all gave it four stars, so we agree to that point. Uh, he goes yeah. on to say the uh, the ladder match was a bit of a mess earlier on, but I got into it after that as there was only one ladder ma- ladder that was in the ring. He says Imperium should have won, but I assumed WWE didn't want Worlds Collide to have all the titles in one match. Goes on to say he thought the main event was great. He says it was Coffee's best match, which hey, it's an agreement with you, Joe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and they enjoyed the the tease of Walter Ilya in the future. That's a point. Uh, yeah, Walter Ilya. Imagine if that was the headline here. That'd be easy to book, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd be copying someone else. I suppose I did see that that point a few people made that that like. You know, as much as we'll give it grief, at least Joe Coffey Walters a very a very NXT UK match. I don't know if that's a positive or a negative, and it's not just a a retread of of stuff we'd seen elsewhere. But I don't know. You give me the choice of that and Walter Ilya, I think I'd I'd take the retread any time. When, when, when your business when your business model is to clean out the indies, then you're you're inevitably going to have repeat matches from the indies. You know what I mean? So you can't have it both ways. The thing I'll say for what we've lost in terms of a a buoyant indie scene is this worth it yeah exactly yeah it's not at all yeah you always say it you always say it jp nobody resents will osprey going to new japan and having 
you know, match of the year against Shingo because it's, yeah. you know, the, 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 the trade-off is, he, like, number one, he's going to a place where he'll be, he'll be respected and used to the best of his abilities. And kind of, you know, I can see him getting to the very top of that company eventually, you know. So that's fine. He's not going to an offshoot of New Japan that has no relevance to the main roster or anything like that. Mm. And and you get good quality wrestling out of it. You get to see Zack Sabre Jr. wrestle the best guys in the world. You know what I mean? So that's the difference. Like you always say it, JP. If mm. this was good, it would it would at least soften the blow that mm. we would have this good product to watch every week. And like, you know, think back to the first show in Blackpool, that tournament. That was genuinely good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at least yeah, we kind it. of came out of that thinking, you know, God, if it's this every week, it's something. At least we have something to sink our teeth into. And, you know, but like this rubbish isn't, isn't, doesn't, doesn't help in any way. It, it just, it just makes you more angry more than anything else. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, like this weekly NXT TV show, yeah, that, uh, I think I'd rather watch anything else. I mean, these takeovers are fine. I think the last two, mm-hmm. I think that's the thing actually, you know, as far as the takeovers go, I think, would you all agree this was the third best of the three UK takeovers? Like, I, I do yeah. feel like the, yeah. as much as I, you know, ripped apart uh, certain elements of the other two, you know, give me Walter and Tyler over anything on this show. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's no blow away match on this one. And I, I <laughs> yeah. think even the Gibson Drake against uh, Mustache Mountain, the first yeah. one, mm, yeah. was a really yeah. good match as well. Um, but there was, was nothing Cesaro on that well. level on this. Yeah, there was nothing on that level on this one for me. Closest probably um, the the devil and match, but yeah, I, I, even I as the the high man wouldn't put that near. Um, last couple of bits. Uh, CVD says he's not watched NXT UK in months. That is more than just him in that scenario. <laughs> but he does say it's a great standalone show where the video package quickly caught him up with the storylines and had him looking forward to every match. But he does ask us a question. Uh, with the quick sellout of this show, do you think UK takeovers should take place in bigger sized arenas, or would this lose the intimate, loud crowd atmosphere that make these events so great to watch? I mean, for me, you know, I mentioned then, like, uh, you know, Jamesy, you talked about the initial UK tournament. I was at that first one, and I loved the venue the first time I was there. Um, I was there as well for an NXT proper show as well. It is a great venue. I think it does look great on TV. But it is so weird that they run Blackpool, like we said earlier. And yeah, you think, you know, for the faults that we find with the shows, there is clearly a traveling audience that maybe they're not going to go to the UK TV tapings, but they are going to go to the takeovers. I do think they could do better numbers than they're doing. I think they could. Do, I mean, actually, this is where we haven't really mentioned this, but where the BT Sport deal comes into the mix mm. and how much and how well that does and whether or not. And this is really going to be the test of what they've been saying all along, Mm. because if they if they've been like, well, if we get TV, it'll be a proper touring viability and they'll be able to make a great living and get better and the rest of it. Well, they have a TV deal now. Are they going to go through with that? Is it going to be enough growth in terms of crowds or is it like a lot of TV that appears on sports channels like BT and Sky? It's effectively filler to kind of pad out an overall package and it doesn't really have any effect other than there's going to be clips and, and everything else. So in terms of them drawing, they can't draw big arenas now. I don't think I'm, I'm still surprised they haven't actually run York hall at, mm. at any stage. They had it booked, didn't they? They, they did have they it booked it. And, it, and it's not, and it's not quite happened. But then in the UK, we have that weird situation. We don't actually have a lot of venues like um, the national stadium in Dublin, which is kind of set up perfectly for a wrestling sized ring and can fit just over 2,000 people and you can get a great atmosphere with a good entranceway. We just have those kind of venues, like a lot of, I think even what the amount of tickets they released for the NXT Cardiff, did they get about 6,000 in the end? Was it something? I think it was about five. Wasn't it was about it? five yeah. in the end, but 
the place can hold that, that was against New Japan as well, you know. So yeah. I think if they're doing shows every six months, you could probably do slightly bigger. I think if they made this more regular, this is the size venue you want to be running. But yeah, yeah. they could probably go to a sort of eight, nine, give it a go. If they don't sell out, they don't sell out, but they put more asses in there. Um, last couple of bits of feedback. The Saucy Duke says the show was really good. Each match delivered with intense action, creative spots and solid character work. Uh, he says the main event was a little long and sloppy, but still delivered. The ladder match was also spectacular outside of a few awkward spots, but the stars of the show were obviously Devlin and Bates. He says, what a match. Incredible throughout, an absolutely stunning finish. He gives it 8 out of 10, but he does say, P.S., I look forward to listening and finding out why the show was actually bad. Saucy too, we are at your leisure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we could give you I that. I think one. we might have done that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, last couple of bits just came through Twitter. Uh, Dave Green uh, asked, was Trent's bump really worth it? He says he put him off as a decent open. I think we've kind of answered that. Um, he says the women's match was best than expected. He says Tyler versus Devlin was nice with little tributes to Liger and Jody Fleisch sewn in. Um, what was the, um, the Liger tribute? He did the, um, is it the Romero special? And oh. then dropped him down and did the kind of, uh, you remember Liger used to kind of do the, he used to put a kind of a submission hold on the neck. Mm. So the way he'd have their arms and legs up and then drop the head down and kind of put a submission hold on their neck. Yeah, and he, yeah, I think it was it was Devlin did it to Tyler, I think, and he kind of had his beard in a kind of a in a grip kind of. Right, okay, yeah, that's it. So yeah, uh, he says it was despite those slightly contrived moments too, and he just says the ladder match was exactly to be expected. Uh, Liam LF Doom asks, has NXT UK really elevated the standing of anybody on the roster to a wider audience? Says no. British stronger, British strong style got over during the initial UK phase, and I suppose is is more to the point. He says his question is: Has the booking been that bad, or fans on the whole just not accepting it? This roster as being anything other than regional UK grabs. Uh, don't know. I think it's a, a lot of it's the booking. A lot of it's just the like you said earlier, Jamesy. Like just our, our overall just. I think there's just a, and you can, people can probably hear it in this show, just a, a disappointment. General apathy. Yeah, apathy to the existence yeah. of this product in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one thing that, sorry. Sorry, Jamesy. I was just going to say, the one thing I would say based on that feedback is, like, we shouldn't fool ourselves into thinking that everyone is as cynical towards this thing as we are. True. Like, there, yeah, are, a, there are a lot of people like it, it did sell out, you know what I mean? And they did sell five or 6,000 a few months ago running against New Japan on the same day. So while we are in a certain bubble where we're very apathetic towards it and probably the, the Twitter bubble or the social media bubble we, we inhabit would kind of feel the same way. There are people out there who really like this product, who go to these shows and, you know, they make noise and they are invested in the characters and that kind of thing. So, you know, you, you're you sometimes like, you know, you listen to that feedback and it's it's more positive than negative, I would say. You know what I mean? And I would imagine the reception this podcast gets from the post-wrestling <laughs> community might be quite oh, negative. Yeah. You know, so, I suppose like <laughs> in all our anger and in all our cynicism, we have to accept as well that there are people out here who this, this product is for and who do like this product. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. I we, don't understand it myself, but they do <laughs> exist, and they are—they are people who pay money to see it. You know. Yeah, we always see it in the like the feedback to these shows. I don't know. Some of it's probably you know we're grizzled people who see a lot of these wrestlers and have seen a lot yeah. of these wrestlers over the years. So I suppose if you know a Tyler's still fresh to you, then that is different, isn't it? But no, I, I shouldn't have to cut it either. It's just. Yeah. 
you know, it doesn't make it invalid. It's just, you know, people obviously get more mileage out of these shows than us. Um, I would say as well, yeah, that's kind of the end of the feedback. I did get a couple more replies to my, to my tweet, but I don't think the feedback one was at Will Cooling saying, guess which moron took a phone call midway through the main event and asked to watch it again. Uh, good luck, Will. <laughs> uh, and I also got a lad, uh, on Twitter whose uh, handle I'm definitely not giving out to. I'm assuming as a Gallus fan, cause his only reply to me is, you sniff your Mars underwear, you daft cunt, fuck off. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, remember what I said about Irvin Welsh earlier? That's a line that would fit right in one of his novels. <laughs> Gotta love the, uh, the Gallus fan base and the, uh, the ACB fan coming out. Uh, hometown Glasgow, shocking. Uh, sorry, Scotland. Uh, <laughs> before we get out of here Benno can I just say thank you to you guys tonight because I feel like this has been a free therapy session <laughs> to get over <laughs> the death of British wrestling um, so thank you because this has been therapeutic <laughs> and I feel like I've got a lot off my chest I'm still bitter I think I always will be yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah let's. it's good to get together like an AA meeting and get, you know, <laughs> our thoughts off our chests and, yeah, just get it all out. Brilliant stuff. Absolutely. And I was worried we wouldn't get an hour out of this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But if we got at least two. 2.17. We're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you reckon we've come full circle, Joe? Do you reckon you want to be a hero on the Post Forum tomorrow? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 uh, before we get out of here, then, uh, obviously, thanks to you guys for uh, for joining us on this. Uh, feels like an episode of Spotlight, but uh, with a big mix with uh, with James here and a BWE uh, element to it, too. But uh, I'll, I'll leave the plug into you two guys. Joe, JP, what have we got coming up on Spotlight that people should, uh, if there are any forum members or post listeners who uh, want to follow us over, what's, uh, what's coming up to uh, attract them? Well, first of all, download the Grapple app. You can find it on the on the uh, App Store or on the Google Play Store as well. Get that in, get your ratings in. Um, if you scroll down, you'll see the Grapple Spotlight, which is the podcast that um, that James has appeared on uh, uh, on as well. Um, but with the, with the three of us tomorrow, we're going to be recording what is effectively our top ten of the year, the Grapple the Grapple one hundred or the Grapple top ten. Um, and uh, as Gareth doing kind of God's work with a lot of the ratings. James, you'd be loving this spread, spreadsheet that we, we've had access oh, to with it. all the ratings. Oh, love a good spreadsheet. Especially when you're cross-referencing against how many people are voting as well. Oh. You know, there's, there's a lot there's a lot there for it. Um, so, yeah, we've got those coming up. So if you want to find out what the Grapple Top 100 and Top 10 matches were from Grapple users of last year, give it a listen. But you'll also be finding out the Top 10 matches from myself, Benno, JP, I don't know if Gareth's thrown his in the mix as well. I'd also like to throw in my top ten matches of a decade if I get a chance, but you know that's a little bit cheeky breaking the rules, wasn't it? If Gareth lets me, I will throw that in as well. It's a special treat. Well, James, before we go, go ahead, uh, give us a teaser leading into tomorrow. We'll reveal ours tomorrow. But what is your match of the year? My match of the year. Oh, it was uh, Devon and Star, without a doubt. Number yep. two. Number two. Let me think back. I think I had. Kofi and Daniel Bryan from WrestleMania. Oh, that was great. That's in my top 10. It's such yeah. a, I think it's yeah. a really underrated match. It, it, because it's WWE main roster, people kind of forget about it. They think about all the New Japan stuff, but like that's just a small reminder that Daniel Bryan is still probably the greatest wrestler of all time. Like That's an amazing match. I'll go into detail tomorrow, James. You don't you Good worry. Good man. Good man. <laughs> <laughs> and, can I just plug? Can I just plug as well, Benno? Thunderstruck this week uh, yes. is myself and WH yes, Park talking great. about... 
Arrange. Talking about Liger, Liger and Sasuke from 1994 and about me being mistaken for a man who was importing porno tapes into <laughs> Trinity College Dublin back in 2004. Oh, <laughs> that's a JP. This is brilliant, James Eon. I, I was pissing myself at that bit because I could picture myself in, in 2004, 2005, going to the local post office to pick up my latest yeah. horde of Ring of Honor DVDs. I'm sure you've uh, yeah. been in the same boat, Joe. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was always a great day when that Ring of Honor hall came in. Uh, but yeah that was a great podcast genuinely I think it's uh, the best of the Thunderstruck series and obviously there's one of uh, you coming up JP as well it's not out yet is it I think it's out next week Um, following Jamesy which is going to be obviously it's it's very much sort of the gimmick battle royal uh, Uh, just Jushin Liger Thunder uh, of Jushin Liger Thunderstruck podcasts um, so that's the week after, but no, I'm looking forward to it, especially now that we're seeing the truth of what you were up to in college, Jamesy. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be a better uh, But yeah, uh, as far as this show goes, we'll be back in two weeks with uh, back on our regular Friday slot. Uh, Martin will be back to fill us in on his uh, Japan trip, so that sh- should be fun, Jamesy. We might have oh, yeah. some talk about the uh, the general Brit Res decade as well, but uh, we'll be talking uh, about those plans over the next two weeks. So you can look forward to that in two weeks. Uh, like Joe and JP says, Grapple will be back tomorrow, so you'll hear from me then. But for now, bye from all of us. We'll see you in two weeks. Go on, JP, you know you want to do it. Bye.